Ladies and gentlemen, our next event of the evening is a one-fall match with a 60-minute time limit. This is where the big boys play, huh? This is where the big boys play. This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Where the Big Boys Play. Uh, As ever, I'm here with Chad. How are you doing, Chad? Doing good, Parv. How are you doing this morning? Great. And uh, we've disrupted our regular schedule because uh, we wanted to drop this as close to Christmas as possible, right, Chad? Is that the real reason? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, we <laughs> I guess we sort of mapped out a schedule uh, at starting with October 31st of what we we're going to try to do. But, I mean, I, I think at this time it's just, and I don't want to be a dick, but when you get a show, you get a show. Uh, that's just, I mean, that's mostly me. Um, kind of a combination of my uh, new job is a lot more intensive than I had thought. So I'm working uh, usually on average between 50 and 60 hours, and I have a two-hour round-trip commute every day. So um, uh, as far as my time away from home, it's it's generally around 12 hours every day. Uh, and just between that and the baby, um it's 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 tough to watch one of these types of shows and record and to have a kind of uninterrupted block that I can talk about. Uh, so that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I'm able to watch some wrestling here and there, um, but as I told you, Parv, like I'm I'm really good for like 15 to 20 minute pockets. So if I'm if I'm feeding the baby or something like that, but that's not really conducive to this type of show where I want to watch it either in one kind of one block or at least in two parts. I don't want to watch one match stop, one match stop. Well, I, um, I mean, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but um, I don't have any of, very few of these constraints Chad is talking about. Uh, I, I don't have a baby and, you know, <laughs> my job is a little bit less intensive than that. But even uh, even so, I find it a struggle to get through this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, are, we have a guest uh, as well today. The return of guests here on Where the Big Boys Play, and uh, it's Mr. Overexposure himself, Stephen Graham. Yeah, yeah when did that happen? <laughs> I, don't I don't know, but it needs to start. <laughs> it does. It really does. Yeah, Chad used to be Mr. Overexposure, but now it's you. You've taken over that mantle. How does it feel? Tiring. <laughs> How many shows have you done this week? Oh, my God. This is three of four. But this is it for Janu- until January, so uh, this is it you're, until- you're you're taking a break like Parb, so uh, <laughs> so you only seven be more. Expecting <laughs> uh, a lot of pro wrestling super show extras coming down the pike. No, there's never going to be an extra pro wrestling super show. <laughs> <laughs> this is it until January. We're about the old Japan Excite series. We're going to record in January, <laughs> okay. maybe late December, maybe. 
after Christmas. <laughs> okay, yeah, New Year's Eve. That's what me and you will do, Steve. Yeah, everyone yeah. else will be happy at partying and we'll uh, talk about <laughs> Japanese wrestling. Not really. Um, okay, so, um, yes, now, uh, we used to, like, back in the day when we had guests on Where the Big Boys Play all the time, we used to do this big thing, like, background as a fan and all of that. But um, we know plenty about Stephen Graham already. So if you've never heard Stephen Graham on a show, um, I, I think my, my York Notes version of it is he's Canadian and he likes wrestling. Anything else to mention, Stephen? The first wrestling I ever saw was Glow. So I don't know what that says. Really? <laughs> yep. <laughs> my older, my <laughs> older sister was four years older than me and she used to get my dad to tape Glow for her. So I would watch Glow. And then uh, somehow transitioned to the WWF. They got Glow in uh, Canada? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Do you know that, Chad? I did not, but <laughs> I'm not as keen up on the uh, Glow history. <laughs> That's something I've never watched. Like, that. that is, you talk about, like, a true blonde spot. I don't know if I've seen more than, like, two Glow matches ever. Do, do, no, do you need to watch any glow matches? Do you? Yeah, well, that's what I'm kind of saying. No, <laughs> well, okay. all I remember is a big fat lady beating up um, a hillbilly girl. I, so I, if I that interests you, then you should check it out. <laughs> I don't want to get too much off on a tangent right at the start of the show, but I got a lot of heat off my head of department recently because um, I, I ran this course and I was trying to take these two female authors off it uh, and replace them with basically just more important texts. And um, she basically said that if you had your own way, you'd be studying the same dead white males. And I'm like, that's not true. Yeah, she kind of pegged you there, Parv. Uh, well, the thing is, is that, uh, you know, Machiavelli is more important than oh, Marjorie Kemp, you know. But I, I was just thinking, like, imagine you had to do, but I just want to put this to, to you guys, okay? If you had to do an 11-week course on, say, I don't know, the, the 11 most important wrestlers, and somebody said, well, you have to make four of them women, would you be happy with that? <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> right. Uh, wow. <laughs> that was the most political answer. <laughs> yeah, of course you'd be happy with it. Yes. I mean, I think Canadian. I think it's fair to say if you were doing, like, a history of North American wrestling um, or, or U.S. wrestling, it, the women you could probably focus on would be like Mildred Burke, um, maybe a little anecdotal moolah, and then if you wanted to get into like uh, Miss Elizabeth and I, Trish I am, Stratus I, or something I'm like that. I'm not dropping Luthez to talk about Trish Stratus. I'm sorry. Well, of course, but I'm just saying <laughs> that it could be an antidote. I mean, I think if you're talking, if you're ever going to, I mean, like you probably wouldn't talk about Triple H either, but I mean, that's a long history of WWE history. And yeah. of that time, I mean, was Trish as big a draw as Triple H? No, but she was, I mean, that's kind of your female equivalent. So you could certainly yeah. bring that up in the conversation. I guess I'd want to just stick them on in one week, you know. I don't know. I mean, I'm telling on them 1998, all the 1998 footage I watched, um, the shows. I mean, it's Stone Cold, it's The Rock, uh, when he has the fall face run. Um, but consistently, number three, the most over person has been Sable. And that's yeah. throughout the entire year. So, I, I mean, do, whatever you want to say I, about that. I do think the women were actually an, an important aspect of the Attitude Era. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, well anyway, shall we get into the... We're talking about Starcade 91 today. Um, shall we get into the Melters, or does anyone have anything they want to plug? Bracket, Stephen, what are the four oh, shows you, you're on? Okay, um, so coming up Christmas Eve is the holiday special, which uh, Parv is on uh, for the Pro Wrestling Super Show. And then we got the Very Titans New Year on New Year's Eve. Uh, this show... Yeah. Oh, I had a show come out last Wednesday, which was top six. Uh, what the hell was it? Top Desert six Island dozen matches. island matches, and it was awesome. I had a lot of good jokes in it, so check it out. Yeah, and uh, it, it, hot on the heels of this show will be a very Bruno Christmas from the Titans as well, which uh, which should be a lot of fun. Well, I mean, that happened. Um, I would actually <laughs> listen to the, the very Bruno Christmas and give the. Uh, the Christmas Super Show that I was on, a miss. That's what I would do. <laughs> I, I would just hold out for the Brad and Chad show. <laughs> yeah, I have to do a show since I'm not invited on either you two smugs' other shows, apparently. <laughs> well, you know, the, Titan has got a very tight guest policy. Like Titans, New Year's. Unless you're, um, unless you're Ivan Koloff or Tito Santana, you don't get to come on. <laughs> have you got anything to plug, Chad? Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he, he's sulking right at the top of the show. Here. Which is funny because he just talked about how he had no time to do a show ever. <laughs> well, he's involved in that massive roundtable thing they're planning. Um, so planning, we've so recorded. Yeah, yeah, we've recorded one sixth of it. So <laughs> yeah, and uh, so hopefully, fingers crossed, in January we're going through all the top one hundred matches um, that WWE. Dot com listed that are on the network 100 matches to watch before you die uh, it's been a lot of fun uh, with the one six recording we've done but I uh, look forward to recording the rest yeah and uh, maybe there'll be less bad blood on that panel than there was on the heel show that we did yeah I think it's a more uh, gentlemanly discussion than that heel <laughs> show yeah <laughs> um, Okay. Well, I mean, speaking of scheduling, one of the weird things, and we, me, me and Chad didn't plan this at all, is that we have somehow synced up with WCW's calendar. You know, it's that. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It's like whenever we do the show is that actually when it was in the year. So, uh, it's what, Starcade was late December. Here we are in late December. So, um, as long as we stick to that, I'll be happy. I, I quite like it. I think it's <laughs> quite. Um, so... Let's go. Right, well, uh, look, time out, though, real quick. I don't know if we want to do that because that would be us doing greed uh, in, in what, March of 2023 or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that happening, but yeah. Uh, 2023? Yeah. If we stayed on this schedule, that's like a decade for Val. <laughs> yeah. I'll have like what, gray hair by the time I get to greed. <laughs> It's time for the Wrestling Observer Extra. Wrestling Observer Extra. With Dave Meltzer. Um, so, December the 2nd, and uh, Dave thinks that WCW has made a full 180-degree turn since the Great American Bash. Uh, points to definite improvement on the on the talent side, mainly Steamboat. Um, he says, uh, hot matches aren't what this business is about in 1991. But the combination of the return steamboat, Abdullah the Butcher, Cactus Jack with Paulie dangerously being recast as a manager, and Rick Rude coming in as a top singles heel, have started the facelifting process that WCW has so badly needed. 
Um, just before I uh, carry on, agreed, Chad. That this is a uh, you know good-looking company going into '92 here. Yeah, I mean, I think we we talked about that a little bit with our last two shows, but you can certainly see the momentum starting to build um, mm. uh, for their advantage to me. Now, so this now this next thing is quite interesting because there has been an impact on the TV ratings. He says uh, TV ratings have made a comeback to the point where WCW is consistently outdrawing WWF on cable. Meltzer puts part of this down to putting hot matches on TV. Uh, part of it down to the said talent uh, improvement. He says the clash drew a 4.3. And uh, did you know this that WCW was consistently drawing WF on cable uh, around I, this I, time? I didn't know that. Um, throughout the summer of '91, WF was winning the ratings mm. war, but during this period, um, WCW was on top. Did you know that, Stephen? No, but like. I don't know. WCW was on like the Superstation TBS and um, this stuff, and WWF was all, like syndicated on weird ass channels. Like it doesn't seem like a one to one comparison. Weren't they on uh, NBC? Like well, three times a year. <laughs> what was uh, prime time on? Prime time had a good cable slot. Oh yeah, right? on USA Network, I guess. Yeah, yeah. USA was not TBS though. Right. Yeah. However, it's not all good news. Because the house show uh, business is really tanking. 325 in Richmond, 1,000 in Philly, 800 in Washington, D.C. Um, so there's this weird thing now where the TV is doing well, but the house shows are just plummeted. Um, any possible reason for that? Why would the TV be doing well and the house shows not be doing well? Probably just like lack of options on TV. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the, the, the TV was better around this time. There, there's no doubt about that. But I, don't, I mean, I don't know if you can make a correlation between qual what we consider quality wrestling TV from a, I guess, an in-ring standpoint. Um, I mean, most of the best in-ring moments in wrestling haven't exactly correlated to best business all the time. So. Yeah. I'm not sure if I agree with I agree with you, Chad. I'm not sure if Meltzer can just say putting hot matches on TV equals ratings. But this is what he's arguing all the way through December. So, um, now here's another piece of news from this uh, uh, December 12th newsletter. Nearly an ultimate disaster for WCW on Monday as Lex Luger quit the promotion in protest because WCW fired Harley Race. Now, what the what was this? Did you know about this? That Harley Race was fired and Luger quit. Here, anyone? I didn't, but uh, I guess it didn't last too long. No, like, I mean, the last melts are here. There's now everything has been sorted out. Luger did miss a few TV tapings, but now it's all been resolved. Um, but they, apparently, they were, they were ready to fire Harley, and Luger was ready to walk for it. Um, so, and I do think that's interesting because everybody paints Luger as being this aloof guy who hates the business and stuff. But if that's true, you know. He showed some solidarity for Harley there. Yeah, yeah. what a stand-up guy. Lex Luger, man of the people. Um, <laughs> we got ticket sales uh, for England. Uh, they're planning this England tour. And the ticket sales were, no surprise, disastrous. Um, <laughs> they thought that the WF would uh, draw. Um, and the WF drew quite well on their 91 England tour. And in fact, I'm pretty sure that Vince uh, you know, probably made the decision then that he was going to try to run uh, the SummerSlam there. Um, but 
the WCW thought they could go in while wrestling was hot, but uh, didn't work. And I'll tell you why it didn't work. Because I was around in 91 and I was watching wrestling. Nobody in England or Wales or the UK knows who WCW are. I mean, I mean, even now, there'll be people who like just didn't watch any WCW at all, even through the Monday Night Wars. So uh, that is one thing I will say. You will find that when you speak to uh, British fans, that they just didn't... WCW was far, far less over here, um, even in the very, very height of the Monday Night Wars. Do you guys know that? Because I think Canada's a little bit similar to that, isn't it, Stephen? It's always like a WF place rather than a WCW place. Yeah, because it wasn't uh, like a TSN, which was the the big sports network. They would play Raw, but they didn't air Nitros till you know later on, like '98 or something like that. And when they did, it was like after Raw, so you get like Raw nine to eleven, then you get Nitro like eleven to one. So it wasn't as no nearly as popular for sure. I mean, after I, I, I was watching WCW at this time uh, uh, in '91, but. Um, it was on like two in the morning and I'd have to tape it and, you know, like most people are. That's not going to draw you to her. That's not going to draw you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently Bill Kazmaier's history. Uh, Meltzer says, I wonder who will miss him. But that's not true, is it? Because he's on Starcade. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <what> <laughs> Meltzer's uh, sources are kind of all over the place here. Yeah. So de- December the 9th, and there was a lot of uh, this Tuesday in Texas stuff in this particular... Um, edition of the newsletter and Meltzer absolutely seems to hate this Tuesday in Texas he says apart from the Great American Bash it was the worst major show of the year um, that surprised what? me a bit because I have fond memories of this Tuesday in Texas I just want I mean I, we don't usually cover WF stuff on this show but uh, Chad have you seen the this Tuesday in Texas matches recently in your- I have um, I mean it wasn't spectacular but I didn't think it was dreadful um I don't know. Well, I remember seeing it years later on, like, uh, Super Tape, Super Tape 91, maybe, presented by Sean Mooney. And I I remember being completely blown away by this Tuesday in Texas, mainly because of the uh, Savage Jake stuff. Yeah, I I think the booking of that show is very... um, I know Charles has made this point, and I agree with him. It's it's kind of Memphis-esque. Because uh, you because you have that and then even the main event with a lot just a lot going on, um, I, I think it's pretty interesting how they put that whole show and really the promotion as a whole between uh, I'd say around September until um, WrestleMania eight. Yeah, I I would say that this Tuesday in Texas is better than Survivor Series pretty easily. Yeah, no, no. Here's the thing, though. A lot of the matches uh, on that show didn't like. There was a Flair versus Piper that never aired, that nobody's ever seen. Like, is it, have you seen that match? Did, did there a handheld or anything? I haven't seen it. Of the Flair Piper, um, Spret Hart versus Skinner, Savage Jake, Davy Boy Warlord, the Warlord, uh, DBRC and Reaper Man versus El Matador and Virgil and Hogan Taker. It's not a terrible card, is it? I don't know. No. What, what do you think of it, Stephen? Uh... I, I thought it was better in Survivor Series. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's a good little card for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I can think. So I can certainly think of one show I'd put below it for the year. <clears throat> uh, more on that later. Uh, <laughs> uh, Harley Race's status is still uncertain. Uh, Race was given notice, and apparently every single manager on the roster was fired, apart from Paul Lee. Medusa and Teddy Long. 
uh, and even though even though Teddy Long has no clients, <laughs> um, whatever the case, Luger is staying and his quitting only lasted for an hour or two. So there we go, stand up guy. <laughs> um, Jim Crockett is now in more of a more of a uh, power position behind the scenes, which should mean more pushes for wrestling guys and de-emphasis on guys like Van Hammer, Bagwell, and El Gigante. However, Jim Hurd is still the man in charge. Evil Jim Hurd. Um, and then December the 16th, just briefly, can you see any, I mean, I, I, know, I don't know how long this would last, because Kip Frey must be around the corner now. He must be imminently coming in. He hasn't come in yet, but um, can you see a, a kind of more of an emphasis of wrestling than, than non-wrestling at this time, Chad, watching the TV and so on? Yeah, um, I'm... <laughs> I, I guess it's a, it's kind of tough to say because uh, when we get into our TV matches that we watch, it's not like an inordinate amount of them are from um, the fall. Right. But I, I do think with the Dangerous Alliance kind of being interspersed in there and usually having at least a longest TV match every week, uh, you did sort of see that, so it was kind of just the same type of guys that you could count on. So, right, yeah, that's sort of the difference. Okay, um, so December sixteenth, there's some talk of bringing in Lou Perez to tag with Bagwell. But who's Lou Perez? Anyone? <laughs> I don't know. Is it Al Perez's uh, younger brother or something? Um, uh, uh, Harley Race is now staying. Uh, but he might be pulled from managing Luger, and instead he'll manage Vader and Mr. Hughes, which, of course, is true. That did happen, didn't it? Um, Jim Ross was on... Uh, it's his cousin, Parv. Who? Lou, Lou Perez. Lou Perez. Yeah. <laughs> Al Perez's cousin. Uh, well, maybe he'll be that underrated gem of a super worker. Like, I've never like, heard. Like, like, like his cousin, Chad. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he was mainly a Florida guy. So. Right. Uh, there's a little bit on Florida coming up, actually. Uh, Jim Ross was on a hotline. Um, and uh, on which he mentioned that Ultimate Warrior was a huge lo- long shot of coming in. So it is quite fascinating that Ross was openly mentioning some stuff like this on those hotlines. Um, yes. Uh, and I guess it was Ross doing talent relations at this time? Probably. That's always been his bag, right? His role. Um, I don't know exactly what all he was doing above like announcing and producing um, as far as talent. He's on the committee, right? He's on the booking committee as well at this time still. Um, Uh, There is a uh, commission bill. So speaking of Florida, um, some dude is carrying out this commission bill investigation and uh, wrestling is under real risk of being banned in Florida because they really want to tighten up regulations around fighting outside of the ring. And also, they want to ban the idea of predetermined outcomes, which of course is core core to the wrestling business. So, um, I don't know if anything happened with this, but there was uh, creating a real problem in Florida, which of course is one of WCW's key markets, right? So, um, yeah, just a little story there. Um, And then December the 23rd, very, very slim uh, news week. I guess Meltzer was gearing up for Christmas or something because he's got basically nothing. Um, apparently on TV, Larry Zabisco was having all all of the jobbers do stretcher matches for him. Did you see any of that? Uh, sounds quite fun to live up in a nice crippler cruncher gimmick. So every t- every time he'd have a match, uh, the jobber would do a stretcher. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that, I, I think that, I mean, we've talked a little bit um, past few shows, but this Larry is uh, pretty great around this yeah. time. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, in fact, yeah, I've, I've enjoyed uh, the stuff he was. Uh, I've seen him in so far. Yeah. Um, and the other thing he said, like Meltzer, like tries to give some thought as to why the TV ratings are doing well, but how shows aren't doing very well. Oh, God. And, and he says, uh, basically, his conclusion is there's good action on TV, lots of good action, but there's a real lack of storyline and feuds. So he, that's his explanation. What do you reckon? I mean, we have the Sting Dangerous Alliance stuff. Um, I, I, I kind of agree a little bit, but I, I think that'll come... Oh, I, I disagree after the show we watched today, um, which I'm not going to be positive about, but I do think it didn't make some ready set feuds going forward. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, uh, is it the most like angle intensive television? Probably not, but it's, it's not like it's the AWA either. So, uh, Steven, any thoughts? Well, um, I guess maybe there's some theory about if you're having good matches on TV, you don't have to uh, go to the house show to see good matches. Because it's already there on TV, maybe. Yeah. I, I don't know. Thanks, George Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, it, there is one thing about around this time that has always kind of confused me. And, and we're getting into a, a stretch that I think, I mean, I'm really fond of this little stretch in 92 that we're about to get into, Chad. Uh, but I think most kind of hardcore fans are, right? This is a really... Yeah. Like, the first half of 92 is a really e- good period. I would say for most of our listeners, um, I would actually say kind of the time from now until Wrestle War or maybe even Beach Blast, uh, Great American Bash is is seen as kind of the, the golden age of in-ring work for WCW. Uh, yeah. Really kind of throughout their promotion because most, I mean, when when you start, when I first started looking at message boards and WCW recommendations, you heard Dangerous Alliance and then Cruiserweight matches, but the Cruiserweight matches really kind of stretched a two- or three-year period, uh, so there's not one straight error that you can pinpoint. So. Yeah, I, I also love uh, what a mythical figure Kip Allen Frey is. He's such a mysterious kind of like, who the hell was he? Like, <laughs> he comes in and he's just got this one little hot stretch forever. He's like the anti Eric Bischoff or something. Um, but um, the one thing that confuses me about it is that it seems like the Dangerous Alliance are feuding with everybody. And it, I've always found it like, so who is Rude feuding with? Is it Sting? Or is it like, you always, there, there seems to be like, two or three points of interest all the time. Um, yeah. And, and that fi- I find that can be like, Sting seems to be feuding with like Vader and Rude at the same time or like with Luger and with Rude at the same time. And I find that confusing. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, Rude has Sting and Steamboat. Sting has okay, Luger, Rude, Cactus Jack, Abdullah. And, uh, and and Vader sort of kind of starting to see Vader get into the picture. So there there is a lot of kind of sprinkling around. Like Dustin Rhodes, he has an issue with Austin. He has an issue with Arn. Um, 
he has an issue with Zabisco, so... I, I do actually think that is a hallmark of Dusty's booking, if you think back. Like, oh, like even back in the day, it used to be like, well, Dusty would have issues with the Horseman. Dusty would have issues with, you know, um, the Russians. Like, all at the same time. Like, Crockett always seemed to run like that, where it would be like the top three or the top four guys, and they all had issues with each other. Georgia TV is also like that, uh, where it's like... It's all like co-current co- feuds all together. I'm not sure if I like that as a as a kind of booking philosophy. Um, what, what do you think, Stephen? Uh, it's it's an interesting uh, thing going on there. I, I haven't watched the TV, so I don't know how it like played out. But it gives you a lot more options for matches, at least. But it's less focus. Maybe that's what's destroying house shows. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess I guess uh, I'm wedded to the idea, you know, of like you have to have a very clear main event, and I don't think WCW have got one. It seems like they've yeah. got a, a, a kind of platter of upper mid card guys who could be in the main event. Who's the main star? Stone I mean, Pierce. right, right. And one thing we'll talk about is we'll get into the '92 and the TV stuff. Is I mean, the matches are all really good, but they're pretty inconsequential. Right. You know what I mean? They're they're very vacuum oriented. Where you had a six man tag on Worldwide, and uh, the Dangerous Alliance wins or whatever, and then you know on WCW Saturday Night, Big Josh is facing Arn Anderson, and there's no mention to that match or him trying to get the win back for WCW. It's just they go out and have a good match too. Um, yeah, it's, it's 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 very vacuum oriented where you do have this over arching feud of dangerous alliance but i don't know not much uh storyline yeah okay as i'm losing my voice over i'm broken up (laughs) 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 um okay so speaking of inconsequential shall we get on to our review of starcade 91 man that was that was some weak meltzers there huh yeah yeah that was a pretty weak meltzer (laughs) sorry uh Sorry, Dave, but uh, you weren't on fire. And t- to be fair, there was a lot of WF coverage over that period. Yeah. Um, so you know, sometimes he turns his attention elsewhere, right? So. It happens only once a year. World Championship Wrestling presents the Sports Spectacular of the Season, Starcade '91. Anything goes in wrestling's ultimate challenge of skill. Luck and survival. Starcade 91. Battle Bowl. The Lethal Lottery. December 29th live. Only on pay-per-view. Call your local cable operator for availability. Um, let's get into this. Let's get into Starcade then. Um, so <laughs> our hosts are JR and Tony. Um, and uh, we also have Eric Bischoff with Missy Hyatt and tonight's commissioner. Magnum TA, who I thought got a pretty lukewarm pop from the crowd, uh, which was a bit sad. Yeah, uh, yeah but he'd been gone for a while now. Yeah, but it also it also made me think that the fans there probably aren't the old Crockett fans as well. Right. Um, but it was sad, it was sad to see such a like uh, I mean they did barely even a murmur for Magnum. Um, so uh, okay, Battle Bowl. <laughs> Um, I th- we're going to have to tackle this right up front, I think, Chad. Do you think yeah. that's fair? Yeah. Um, so the, the Battle Bowl concept, well, why don't one of you two guys explain what it is? Okay. 
Can I? Yeah, go for it. So you take 40 guys, uh, 20 heels, 20 baby faces. You put them in different rooms. <laughs> and then you draw uh, four random names to form two tag teams. Uh, and then these tag teams face off. And the winning team goes into a battle royal that involves two rings that to be eliminated, you get thrown from one ring to the other and then to the outside. And then the final two in each ring face off and it's over the top wins. Uh, so the lethal lottery is the the part where they draw the names and maybe the tag matches. And then the battle bowl is the battle royal part. Um, it's it's the most WCW concept of all time. <laughs> you have a two-named thing, Lethal Lottery, Battle Bowl, and you always say both. Um, you have to have a Battle Royal, but it's a confusing Battle Royal where there's two rings for no reason. And It's, it's yeah, ridiculous. Uh, well, well, I guess we can get into the minutiae of the rules of the Battle Royal when we get to it, but uh, yes. Um, the So... Right, there's a lot of things to d- discuss right at the top of the show here, okay? First of all, Starcade is meant to be their big main event. Like, Starcade is WCW's WrestleMania, right? So why have they... Get, why they've, they've given over the entire show. There isn't a single non-Battle Bowl lethal lottery match on this entire card. Uh, the entire thing is devoted to it, which, to my mind, I disagree with right up front i think it's a mistake to i think starcade should be used for blowing off feuds or for starting uh, or for uh, progressing feuds or you know um so d- putting this battle bowl on there seems to devalue any angles that they've got going on at the moment because you know the matches are random it seems to devalue the world title because it seems to be saying that the battle bowl is more important than the world title um and it seems to it seemed to me to devalue like the, the main major stars there because it wasn't even clear who had issues with who during the show. So uh, th- thoughts on like I mean as a basic I just think it's a bad idea all round to devote this show to Starcade. So I guess that's one issue. And then the second issue is what we think of the Battle Bowl concept itself. Um, uh, right, wh- regardless of where you put it, could it have been a good idea? So. Why don't we deal with the first one first? I, I've given you my view. Chad, what do you reckon? Yeah, I don't think this should have been a Starcade show. Um, as we discussed, Starcade becoming like a gimmick show is pretty disheartening to me. I don't I don't think um, if, if you start billing Starcade as the granddaddy of them all, uh, it shouldn't. Now we saw the the Iron Man, the tag tournament. This is our third kind of special concept in three years uh, that we've seen. So, so I, I certainly wouldn't have put this as a, a Starcade show. To me, it feels like a clash, honestly. Um, and and just less guys. Like, there's no need to have forty guys that were competing on this show. You could do. Uh, I don't know, 20 or so, and have that would be uh, what five tag matches and then a battle royal. That'd be a good, good solid class show, and you'd get the top guys kind of interspersing in combinations you don't see. Steven? Yeah. Um, I, I think it's uh, clear when they show commercials later on for Super Brawl that. Super Brawl is now their big show. They feel it's their Super Bowl. They feel it's their World Series. So uh, basically, it looks like they made Starcade their Royal Rumble. Like they're set up to Super Brawl. 
Uh, and I guess uh, Royal Rumble's a big gimmick show. Survivor Series is a big gimmick show. So, uh, you know, WCW steals some ideas and come up with their own and th- do their version. Yeah, I, I don't know. Did, I mean, the Battle Bowl ring, is it? Is that what they're trying to win? Have they even introduced the ring at this point? Not for a year. <laughs> this was just, they kept talking about prestige, but not really. There it's wasn't anything like, substantial. Why should anyone care? You know, I mean, I, I guess the idea was if they did, I mean, let's try to play devil's advocate, right? Let's, pre- let's pretend WCW didn't go out of business in 2001, right? Mm-hmm. And let's pretend Starcade was still going now. And that this year was, you know, the 23rd Battle Bowl type thing. Do you think it could have become prestigious or could have become important or treated as a big deal? It would need some uh, better uh, booking. Yeah, Uh, it would need booking. I mean, mean, nobody remembers the Royal Rumble 88 either. Yeah, Um, right. Like Royal Rumble took a few years to get going, right? Right. Like if we gave them the benefit of the doubt, could they have eventually made it work as a big, I, I, I think something needs to be, something better needs to be at stake for the battle ball, I think. And I also think that is, they, they shouldn't put the world champ in the match, in the tournament. He should be in a featured main event or something like that. I don't know. That's my, like, it seemed like Luger just seemed to be lost on this show to me. So, well, that goes, I mean, that goes to the theory too, though, that, I mean, I mean, I personally love the Royal Rumble, and I think the matches itself is probably one of the most fun hours that the WWF has. WWE has every year. Yeah. But, but, but there, I do think there is something to the theory, and I mean, all all three of us, uh, if you, if you think our pro wrestling uh, affection is nerdy, we also play board games. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, think about like the luck that's involved with something like the Royal Rumble, where you could just draw number thirty, happen mm. to be out there, and now you're main eventing WrestleMania. I mean, from a purely kayfabe sense. That does seem like a pretty hokey way to make the main event of the biggest show of the year. Yeah. Uh, so if you did that for Battle Bowl, I, I mean, I do see that kind of argument when you start really maybe overanalyzing. But if you look at it from a booking standpoint, it's like, why? Because, you know, if you were in the first tag match of the night, you got to rest the whole night. And now you come out for this Battle Royal and then, you know, my strategy would be I'd eliminate myself immediately, go to ring one, have a break, and then <laughs> wait for somebody to come in and pick them off. I would dive over the over the ring. Well, also, mm. like unlike the Rumble, at least in the Battle Bowl, you have to win to get into the the Battle Bowl part. That's, so there is, that's the point too. Yeah. So it's it's more valuable than the Royal Rumble, really. It's fairer than the Royal Rumble. <laughs> it's from fairer. Like I, always, I always used to, like, you know, as a heel fan, I was just like, what, Hogan drew 26 and now he's won? Well, of course he has. He, he, he had to be in there for 10 minutes. Like, Hogan would always draw, like, 21 or something, and he'd be in there for, like, the last 15 minutes. That's true. Just, just to, and, then, and then, of course, they got wedded to the narrative of the number one, you know, the number one draw always being a big name and going all the way, which uh, also got tiresome after a while, you know? Um... My, my, I get, I, one of my favorite uh, Royal Rumbles, uh, just by the by, is when uh, is uh, the year when it was Vince, 
when he just oh, when he just <laughs> exposed and broke every single rule in the like he just show what terrible match it was by going and sitting on commentary for twenty minutes and you know um, he just showed that if you played it if you actually think about the rules of the Royal Rumble you can do all sorts of shit and get away with it um, so yes uh, I mean that wasn't a very good Royal Rumble I was just tickled by the fact that the rules are so loose you know. Um, Okay, shall we get on? Uh, well, oh yes, well, oh yeah, the, you know, the second part, yeah, yeah. the battle bowl concept itself. Right. So, well, regardless of where you put it, what do you what do you think of the idea? Um, I, I mean, I can start with this. So, maybe it's booking, but I do think some of the randomized nature of the matchups here. Um, I mean, I mean, it's no secret that me and you, par like with our tag matches, we really like you know formula executed well. But yeah. I, I think the matches we've ranked highly have have had some type of formula or some like overarching violence, kind of like that vicarious nature of the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys. Well, that wasn't yeah. you know a hugely formulaic match, but. It had such violence and just reckless abandon, throwing people around that it kind of overcome those restraints. Yeah. And and in this type of, I do think this type of concept to some degree kind of um, devalues that, where you where you do have some concepts being developed of uh, you know heels going versus heels, faces versus faces, rivals teaming up. There's a lot of concepts going on. But I, I, I certainly didn't think it made any of the matches that great on this show. And and, I, and going forward and thinking about it, I mean, I guess we'll see as we got three of these. But I can't remember many instances where I thought like that was better than just, you know, if you'd have just had another uh, Austin and I mean, uh, Arn and larry versus dustin rhodes and a partner of his choice straight tag match i mean i can't think of any concept from lethal lottery that would have matched my enjoyment if we just saw another good iteration of that tag uh so so that's kind of in play here i mean i mean i do think like lethal lottery to me and as a kid like it sounds cool like this is cool um, and, and here's a, a, a very embarrassing story that I'm worried about. But uh, when I was a kid, uh, was like 10, uh, around 10 years old, that was when the Beanie Baby craze would happen. Okay? Bye. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, my mom fell right into it. And as a by proxy, me and my brother were too. So... We collected all these Beanie Babies. We got the uh, Jerry Garcia, which was like the big rare, like the the Holy Grail of the Beanie Babies. We went and bought that one, paid like some in order, uh, unbelievable sum for that. But what me and my brother would do then is we would dump them all in the middle of the floor and have a draft. Um, right. And we would draft the Beanie Babies and have our teams. <laughs> And, and and with my wrestling figures, I would do that, too. I would dump my huge bucket of wrestling figures and, you know, 
you, you and I would have some action figures in there. So you, you'd have a tag team match of Batman and Sting versus Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan or whatever. Just right. these random, ridiculous things. And I, I think the kind of Battle Bowl concept plays to that. Mm. This like randomized fantasy booking, you know, all these guys kind of mixed and matched in together. So I can certainly see how that sounds cool on the surface. And I do think it's a cool concept and principle. I just don't know if it, it, I don't definitely don't think it worked in execution on this show. And I don't know if it ever worked in execution going forward. Well, this is a weird thing to say, but I think that, this concept would have worked better with WF's roster. Because if you think of the way that WF was booked, certain guys just didn't mix, right? So it would be it would genuinely be exciting. And this is why the Royal Rumble was so exciting back in the day. Yeah, Survivor uh, Series sometimes. Survivor Series, yeah. And is that you see the strange mix of guys. Whereas in WCW land, I don't feel that there is that same kind of complete separation of, like, you know, you'd never see Hulk Hogan, you know, lock up with, I don't know. Like, imagine Hulk Hogan was put on the opposite side to Coco Beware or something. It would just be so bizarre (laughs) in WF land to see that happen, right? Whereas in in WCW, it just doesn't seem that, weird do you know what i mean by that yeah i I mean you might could trace that honestly to flair and kind of how he was as an nwa champ um whether you think that's good or bad i mean the truth is that he did have semi-competitive matches with people like sam houston uh brad armstrong people you know of that ilk Whereas I'm, I'm thinking, like, if you had heel Andre the Giant or, or even when, I don't know, who had been, like, the biggest, like, the lower level. I mean, Hogan was going to squash a lower level heel in 1991. Yeah, he was he just going to run through. He wouldn't even be on the show. Like, you wouldn't even see him wrestle on uh, superstars. Hogan was so much above some of the other guys on the roster. Right. It was yeah. just unimaginable it, it to see even him. wouldn't even like, they they wouldn't they wouldn't book the match right like you, you don't get hogan versus um i don't know outlaw ron bass or something just and, and somebody's probably gonna say actually parv house show in 1986 it did happen but uh, <laughs> but you, you know what i'm saying right uh yeah yeah yeah, yeah i agree it, with that S- steven um i i really love the concept i think the problem with it because like survivor series was Sort of the same thing. It wasn't great matches, but it was like seeing the different interactions play out. So you could have had the same thing. I think WCW's problem was they every time they wanted tag partners on opposite sides. They wanted uh, people who are feuding teaming up. Like they went crazy with making it show that it wasn't random. Like (laughs) they went out of their way to say, hey, this is not random, even though we're saying it is. So that's, I think, their problem. Yeah, yeah I, I do think they've got one other problem, and we'll see this play out over the over the evening, uh, over the uh, not evening, you know, the, over the show. Um, is, is that I, I I do think, despite what I've just said, that there is a real problem with some of the level of guys involved in this. Yeah. So, like, you have, you know, you know, Austin, Rude, 
um, you know, Steamboat and stuff. And then you've got like li- literally, you know, Todd Champion and Buddy Lee Parker and stuff. And like, it's just <laughs> a like no man. <laughs> a rat. It's just like what are these like almost job level guys doing in the tournament? Do you know what I mean? Um, and it just makes the it just makes the whole thing. I don't know. I'd rather not. I'd rather everybody in it be a reasonable size star. I mean, I think it's like the WF equivalent of putting in like Brooklyn Brawler or am I being harsh or Red Rooster or something? No, yeah, this certainly. I mean, they have forty guys. I was thinking I, I do want to rebook this show at some point, but but I'm I'm going to either use thirty two guys or um, or twenty twenty eight. Uh, yeah, and then and get rid of a lot of the fat. I mean, because Marcus Bagwell, even someone like him, I mean, he was fresh off the you know the boat, so to speak. He was he was a wide-eyed, baby-faced it, it, rookie, and he could be teaming it, with someone like Rick Rude. Is this the first time we've seen him? This is the first time we've seen him on uh, one of our shows, and right, he only yeah. came in. It was probably like a couple months, I would say. No, I, in fact, I think he had his house show debut in one of the Meltzers uh, that I just read. I just didn't think it was noteworthy enough to read. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, but yeah, he, he's super green here, Bagwell. Uh, although, I mean, uh, as I'll get on to, I actually think Bagwell is better at this point in his career than at any later stage. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I honestly uh, think that he started. He's one of the few guys who started good and got worse. Um, so, anyway. Uh, I see. I do think there's something in the draft, the idea of the draft that could be good. Yeah. But I was trying to think about it, and I couldn't work out like maybe if you had like a Survivor series where the captains have to do drafts, something like that. That could be fun. But I don't know. What do you reckon, Stephen? They can uh, do it like uh, we do at the hockey rink, where everyone just throws their stick in the middle, and then people just pick it up, and that's your teams. Yeah. <laughs> like Big Josh can throw in his axe, uh, the uh, oh. Nightcrawler can throw in his other axe, uh, and they can just draw up their weapons. <laughs> Here's something they could have done: um, is you take the top ten of the WCW top ten, and every one of those ten picks their partner, but it can't be yeah. someone else in the top ten. So, like, number one would get the first pick and could pick anyone that's not ranked in the top ten um, and not the champion. And then that, and that could play some cool kind of storyline stuff, too, where, you know, shockingly, like, a face picks a heel uh, just because he thinks that gives him a better chance and stuff like that. Yeah, and you can, you can just imagine, like, imagine, like, Paulie's reaction when... Yeah. Um, you know, he obviously Paul Lee's going to try to get into the situation where he's tagging his own guys together, right? And it's like, you know, um, let's say I don't know, Sting picks on and Rude and Rude has got his head in his hands because that was going to be his pick type thing. You can you can just see weird scenarios playing out like that. It could be quite fun. Yeah. Or I, I think, uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I think the other thing is, uh, you see at the Royal Rumble, they have the tumbler, you have the guys drawing, like in the old school ones, and it was such a you know interesting backstage uh, segment. The way they do the draw on this show, <laughs> where like Magnum th- takes up the ball, he hands it to Missy, Missy opens it, she hands it to Bischoff, and he reads it like a game show host, is like yeah. the worst way ever to like reveal teams. Like they could have done it a lot more interesting. Yeah. I think that would have helped. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm sure we can. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously come back to this as we go through all of the matches. But uh, I, I did think it was worth having that discussion at the top. Um, speaking of Bischoff as the game show host, uh, <laughs> did, did anyone notice that he introduced Magnum as a former U.S. heavyweight champion of the world? <laughs> <laughs> That was just uh, interesting. Uh, I was too busy uh, fixated on Missy's hair. <laughs> I, I like the way he introduced the Steiners from Motown. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like men on a mission or somebody coming out. <laughs> yeah. oh, he did it twice because they were on different teams. Oh, it's like Rick Steiner even, from Motown and then Scott Steiner from Motown. <laughs> It's amazing to think that Bischoff, in like literally two years from this point, is running the company. It's still mad. <laughs> or, I mean, even that, like that, he would become a legitimately great on-screen character as a heel. Like, like in '97 and '98, even late '98 versus Flair. Like, there's instances of him being awesome, and you don't see that here. You just see like some canned <laughs> phony uh, person. I do think, though, very good-looking chap. Oh, yeah, yeah you got to get off this. Uh, we're not getting into that on this show. <laughs> I've always maintained that, especially around this period, Bischoff looked nice. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into our first match, then. And it is Michael P.S. Hayes and Tracy Smothers taking on Marcus Alexander Bagwell, Jimmy Jam Garvin. So, of course, the two free birds against each other here. Um, and uh, I just do, I do, I do want to say I've always thought that Bagwell looked decent in this part of his career, like when he was a, like the rookie section of. But I, did he look I, as good as Bischoff? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do do you guys agree or like I've always thought he looked decent in this part of his career, and then when he becomes buff, Bagwell just goes to dog shit. That's my view. What do you reckon? Uh, I mean, I don't remember any of his stars and stripes stuff. Uh, his stuff as buff as the stuff was, I, I kind of have a soft spot for that, which we'll get to way down the road. But, uh, doesn't he tag with two cold Scorpio for a period? Yeah. And I, I, I don't remember much of that either in 93. I know they have a couple matches with like the nasty boys. So, I, so he's someone that I haven't, I, I can't say I've ever really, I guess, evaluated his work, so I don't know when he peaked or when he didn't. At the time, I really liked uh, his team with Scott Norton as uh, Vicious and Delicious. Right. It's kind of your generic NWOB team, but I, I do think in watching the late 90s stuff, he has some instances where he could have been uh, a bigger star and they just never sort of pulled the trigger or they made the wrong move like when he injured his neck and came back as a face uh, got that huge reaction at the Georgia Dome on the J- July 6, 98 uh, Nitro and then two weeks later turned on Rick Steiner with Scott Steiner and it was just like here we go again Well, well w, uh, we're the big boys play fans uh, you've, you've heard it here, that's my early call I could look foolish in a few uh, months, but uh, I'm saying that Bagwell was at his best at right at the start of his career, up until about 93 or so. Um, if you agree or disagree, let me know. Um, but uh, that's something to look at, Chad, I think, moving forward. Because I remember as a kid thinking that Bagwell was pretty good. And then when I revisited the stuff, I also thought he looked pretty good. So maybe I've got a blind spot when it comes to him. Um, 
What did, what did you make of this uh, opener? Uh, I, there wasn't a lot. I, I mean, I, I, I think it's good that we got the overarching concept of Lethal Lottery, that lengthy discussion, because my notes for a lot of these matches are, are pretty poor. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Garvin talked his way down to the ring, which was annoying. Uh, Smothers, I guess the Young Pistols, I don't know if we've ever said on this show, but they're heels now. They've kind of officially turned. Bagwell and Smothers start off. It was it was okay. Like, like that's kind of a lot of my notes, honestly. I mean, like the stuff they did here was fine. Smothers was working as a pretty good heel. Uh, Bagwell was a decent upstart baby face, I thought, but nothing nothing exceptional. We got our first Sprayberry High School reference, which um, that should be like a drinking game. Um, any of these WCW pay reviews from around this time is how many times they mentioned Bagwell went to Sprayberry High School. Well, why, why is that important? Why I don't know. I mean, I mean, I used <laughs> to live. I, I lived literally three miles from Sprayberry High School uh, a couple of years ago in Marietta, and I mean, it's it's a run of the mill generic high school. I don't. I mean, Cody Cody Rhodes went there. Consequences Creed went there, um, but uh, are they saying that Bagwell didn't like progress in his education beyond the high school? I know, yeah. I, I, I guess they're trying to make him like fresh out of high. I don't, I don't know. It, it's really perplexing, and it's not like, like I don't know what the most famous high school is um, in the country in the U.S. But I mean, like Oak Hill Academy is a high school that's produced a lot of NBA players. So, so you know, if you wanted to say somebody so-and-so played basketball at Oak Hill, that would mean something. But, I mean, Sprayberry High School, it's, it's just, I guess, because it was local. I, I don't know. It's, it feels very pandering to the Atlanta fan base. And even at that, I mean, I live in a suburb of Atlanta, but on the southern end now, and probably half the people don't know where Sprayberry High School is. I mean, it's just occurred to me, but could it be like, oh, look at this local kid who's come through, he's from a local school type thing, isn't it great to see him doing well as a young, up-and-coming rookie, future superstar in WCW? It's like Kinda. saying, you know... It's, it's, it's just weird, it's weird. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, also, also, I mean, Bagwell, as you'll see, stays as being like a rookie, inverted commas, for like years now. Right, that, that, like he he keeps that rookie tag for longer than anyone. Yeah, likes. yeah. Even in the before mentioned Bucks the stuff type stuff, he was seven years into his career at that point, and they were still talking about like him as an up and comer. I mean, not as a rookie, <laughs> but somebody that could be a breakout young star, uh, so to speak. So, uh, thoughts on this one, uh, Stephen? Well, I didn't uh, finish my thoughts. Oh. I have a oh, lot sorry. more thoughts. Oh, you said you didn't have any notes. All right, fine. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Carry, <laughs> Carry on, Chad. <laughs> See, I'm already getting written out of this show. My own show. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it, yeah, now I've lost my train of thought. Basically, the free birds bicker at each other a little bit. Uh, Tra- Tracy at Smothers, I thought, got kind of owned by Bagwell a lot in this match, which was kind of weird. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, and we finally get the big free birds tag and, and this kind of is a Matt D thing, but 
when they first got tagged in together, did you see how much they just like pleaded with the crowd to give a shit about them <laughs> locking up or they were both raising their hands and they were meant to be faces, right? Yeah, like, yeah. They were they were yelling at the crowd, just absolutely clamoring for them to get this big showdown between the free birds. Uh I, I thought their sequence together was fine as far as heels. Uh, you know, tag team partner heels facing each other, but it wasn't great. Uh, big Bagwell popped uh, Michael Hayes on the apron. Hayes gave him a right hand, which looked good. Um, and then uh, Garvin kind of shrugs his shoulder, and Hayes actually gives him a right hand too. So they, so the finishes they are just arguing each other um, and not paying attention to what's going on in the match, kind of making their partner seem like jobbers uh but bagwell hit a fisherman suplex and gets the win and then of course immediately afterwards the free birds make up and shake hands and hug and parade to the back so uh pretty pretty shitty opener i thought they got a lot of time i went a star and a half on that one i i, I just uh, went to uh, have a little look at matt d's essay for this show to see um uh, to see if he was going to talk about the free birds but uh He's not. He's talking about shared universes. It's called Wrestling Shared Universes and the Obsolete Joy of the Lethal Lottery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's kind of a... It's, it's, it's almost like an homage to... Uh, a, a sort of like a love letter in some ways. It's Of course, all his reads are very interesting and a different opinion from what you might see here, but yeah. Yeah, wrestling isn't just about star racing, says Matt D. Amen, brother. <laughs> so, uh, Stephen. Um, so Michael Hayes comes out doing tomahawk chops. Are they in Atlanta? No, they were in Norfolk, Virginia, which, <laughs> I, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird, I guess geographically, that's a weird part of the country where I don't know who the hell you would cheer for if you lived in Norfolk, Virginia. Maybe the Orioles, Baltimore Orioles. Um, I don't but know. either way, doing tomahawk chops. Either way, I mean, we're we're in late December. I mean, the baseball season's <laughs> two months over, so time to move on. Yeah. Um. Later on, we get uh, Tony Giovanni saying that uh, Mike Graham trained Buff Bagwell, and uh, Mike Graham might be the best trainer in the country. So that's really sad. Uh, we <laughs> we had the Freebirds battle, which was uh, really. A pale comparison to the demolition one from the Royal Rumble '89. Like, look at how that worked, and look how this worked. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, then, and then there was just a lot of strutting. I don't know. I don't have much else to say about that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I thought we got a nice fisherman suplex from Bagwell um, to finish the match. Match was way too long, way too long for what it was. Um, Twelve minutes forty-two should have gone five minutes, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I'm just looking. Meltzer doesn't seem to have given a uh, rating. He just says Bagwell seems to have a good deal of potential. Um, oh, our cable went out during this match, so we missed most of it. Uh, so that's, well, that's why there's no rating. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, why, that's why there's I mean, no rating. At least he didn't pull on Alvarez and quit on the show. Uh, oh, did Alvarez quit? Wait, well, Alvarez quit on the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Um, oh, I guess no, I was about weeks, to get really yeah. excited that he... I yeah, he no, quit. he didn't quit, period. He just quit on that show. Gee, I fucking hate that dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Christ. Uh, 
Uh, anyway, uh, two two stars for me. So what did you say, Chad? Uh, one star and a half. I, I didn't even think it was decent. It, I was checking my watch a lot. Um, yeah. The, the Freebird stuff didn't work because they just, nobody really cared. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I don't think they've seen like a, I, I don't know, it's tough to say, but like the Royal Rumble 89 moment when both Demolition come out, like that type of moment, like those two guys, the way they dress, almost identical, they look so united as a front, you know, that, that that's yeah. such a cool moment. The Freebirds... I mean, I guess they both dress in their dated fashion the same, but I, I don't know. It didn't seem like that's something that anybody was really hoping for, that the Freebirds might face off against each other. Also, um, Jimmy Jam seemed to no-sell it. Even the commentator said Garvin doesn't <laughs> seem to care that he's up against Hayes. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was happy to be partners with Bagwell, so he was even out facing the heel Michael Hayes. So yeah, uh, there's probably there's probably a disgusting reason for that. Uh, <laughs> you know, he was hoping hoping he could get his crumbs later. You know, <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. Jimmy we we, we didn't get a yeah 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 tonight. No, we didn't get a yeah yeah yeah. That's uh, I was disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's also um, seemed to have, his hair's gone a lot darker. He was going visibly grey earlier in the year. Now he's. <laughs> Now he's got black hair again. I oh. cannot believe these guys. Like, like <laughs> Jimmy has a match at Super Brawl Four. Like it is. It's just like, come on. How long have they been hanging around? I know. I mean, it, it just, it just like I remember, like right as nineteen ninety started, Wrestle War ninety. We talk about when they have the negative six day run or whatever. <laughs> Like how dated they feel, and and we're two years from that. You know, uh, Hayes though is really quite young. Like he's like thirty. He's like my age, I think, at this point, like thirty-two. Yeah, I know we've looked it up before, but I'll look. It's it's shocking how young he is, considering nineteen fifty-nine was he was born. So yeah, so he was thirty-two here. Yeah, so he looked (laughs) forty-eight. I mean, he did not look 32. I'm 28 right now. Michael Hayes did not look four years older than me in this match. I mean, he, he's that makes him. Uh, let's see that that yeah, Michael Hayes in this match was two years younger than Justin is now. There's no way. <laughs> this that has to be a gimmick birth date. <laughs> Oh, it's just yeah. what that's what drugs will do to you, kids. It'll just make. I mean, he's only fifty-five now. He's younger than. <laughs> I mean, he's he's the same age as Negro Casas, for God's sakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, let's uh, let's move on. Um, uh, Steve Austin and Rick Rude are the next team. What a kick-ass team that is! Yeah, awesome. Taking on Van Hammer and Big Josh. What a kick-ass team that is! <laughs> that's a dream team, isn't it? For you guys. Yeah. The, the Chad Campbell All Stars, Van Hammer and Big Josh. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I just wrote in my notes. Look at those sides, LOL. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there was a lot of talk uh, during this match. I thought about Van Hammer's cardiovascular development. I thought uh, Tony and Jr. were fucking burying him during this match. It's like, oh yeah, Van Hammer's not used to going long, is he? Um, you know, they're basically making out that he just doesn't have any stamina. Um, so, yeah, to Stephen, I'll let you go first on this one. 
yeah, this was um, this is one of the matches that was clipped on the Turner release, so I never got to see really. So this was exciting to uh, finally see this in full. Um, but basically, all my notes were about um, them trying to attack the abs of Rick Rude and it having no effect because Rick Rude is ripped. Um, even like the log roll on his chest and Rick Rude just stands up like it didn't hurt him. That part was awesome. Um, yeah. You have at one point where Van Hammer is doing a stomp, a stomp, and then a clap to try to get the crowd to go along with him. Yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> it just didn't work at all. Very it mo- sad. It was like the most bizarre, like, what was he trying? Like, I've never heard that chant before or whatever. It just, it's just basically like a boom, boom, toom. Boom, boom, Oh, okay. It, it didn't yeah. sound like that for him. <laughs> so Yeah, he, he has no rhythm either. My <laughs> uh, question, how long does Van Hammer hang around for? He's well, there in mean, 98. He's in the, yeah, exactly. He's, he's still there in the like, clock, It's but, fucking ridiculous. But he's though. in and out. His, his career should have been over now, right at this moment. He shouldn't have worked another day in the majors. <laughs> like that guy that quit after one match, Van Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's yeah, only anyways. 47. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry if you're listening, Van Hammer, but you do suck, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he could, I mean, he could be, right? Could be searching his own name, and if uh, where the big boys play review comes up, he's like, "Oh, possible. we need to get him and Ranger Ross on one of these shows." <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, anything else, Stephen? Uh, I, I like the finish of like Rick Rude coming in on a blind tag and hitting the Rude Awakener for the end, uh, but uh, not really much of a match here. Uh, Chad. Yeah, I thought this was really disappointing because they announced the heel team first and you're like, oh, okay, this is awesome. And then it's like Van Hammer and Big Josh, which (laughs) this shows where the booking to me, it was just really bad because even I don't even know who they could have put them against, but any anybody but these two. Uh, was bad. Uh, Rude had his old retro tights on. Did you notice that? It was like straight yeah. out of 1989 where he still had the long hair. Um, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought Jake's wife was going to be on them things. Um, and it, was, it was quite weird because Austin was still wearing his Texas gear as well. Right, like right. It, like his old, um, you know, his old USWA stuff. Yeah, so. didn't have the short hair he had either. Mm. But, but yeah, this match, uh, there's nothing to it. There's, there's really nothing to it. It's 12 minutes. Um, I don't think Austin and Rude seemed like they were in the mood to do anything interesting, and they didn't. They sort of took took this match off, and Hammer's terrible. Josh has been, as where the big boys play listeners know, more miss than hit for me, and he didn't do nothing in this match either. So it was it was a really bad match, and Rude hits the Rude Awakening to end this. I want a star and a quarter, um, which is really bad for 12-minute Rude-Austin tag match. Three-quarters of a star from Meltzer. Yeah. Star from me. Um, uh, Steven, are you giving star ratings today? Um, I don't give star ratings if a match is under three and a half. I was going to say, did any match on this show make your little notebook or master sheet or whatever? Sadly, no. Yeah. Say say that again. You don't give ratings if it's under three and a half. Yep. Oh, God. What's the reasoning behind that? That's worse than par not doing four and a quarter, but doing three and three quarters or whatever. If it's not three and a half, it's not making my database. So Uh, it's not good enough. So why bother? 
Okay. So for those go, those keeping track at home, we have Steven's database. We have <laughs> Pete's order notebooks where he just writes down all these matches with star ratings. We have uh, Parv's sticky notes with a cup of tea or index <laughs> cards with his. I like Charles is all on the PWO website. Yeah, Charles's are all splattered across PWO. Mine are starting to get that way because I'm putting my star ratings on each of the comments in the match database. <laughs> I, I I really regret not writing down all of our star ratings. Yeah, that, that's the antidote with Parr is he can't remember his star ratings 10 minutes after he gives them. So you have that yeah. to go back to, too. Yeah, I'm going to have to, and I'm not going to go through all, you know, what episode are we on now? I, just, <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, that would be tiresome in the extreme. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone's got a spare week on their hands and no life, um, we'll give you a shout out. <laughs> we'll give you a shout out if you get all my star ratings. And you can have the awards too. Yeah, well, I, well, I do, we have, do a, have those. Oh, do you do. Have a, yeah, yeah. On the on place to be, a little known fact is there is a track of all the awards. Although there are there are a couple of shows out of date now, so I need to update those. Um, anyway, uh, let's move on because the next match, and I thought this looked like a pretty tasty team: uh, Dustin Rhodes and Richard Morton. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, wow, that looks like that's an interesting combination on paper. Oh, yeah. And then, interesting for a different reason, now he's a Bisco and now Giante. <laughs> um, now, here's my one uh, note on this uh, going into this. Why hasn't El Giante learned how to speak English yet? I mean, he's been around for ages. <laughs> fuck's how long has he been around now? Like 18 months or something? Yeah, he was he was there at Capital Combat. So I mean, yeah. Pull, pull your finger out. He hasn't learned how to wrestle or speak English. <laughs> <laughs> is, 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 uh, is, I, something tells me his heart isn't in this wrestling uh, game because he's not uh, he's not improving in any way. So, I, I blame Gary Michael Capetta for doing all the translating for him. So it that's happen. true. That's true. Um, Chad. Um, so, so this match um, is actually one I'd argue where the lethal lottery kind of worked. Um, one of two on the show that I actually liked a good bit. It's a very quick match, um, but I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, this is kind of like your comedy match of the night where Larry and Dustin start off. I, th- I thought Larry again looked pretty motivated here. Like of all the basic stars, these tag matches have. I thought this was one of the better ones with a crisscross and Larry kind of talking as he's running the ropes and yammering around. And his, his, his offense looked great on Dustin as well. Yeah, he hits a nice uh, spinning back kick at one point right to the midsection. Um, and, and then actually El Giante, I thought this was the best use of him actually looking like a monster where he gets tagged in and Dustin um, Morton, first off, immediately tags back out to Dustin Rhodes. And then Dustin does the good thing where Dustin's a tall guy, but when he's up there with these monsters, he's able to look like a really uh, overpowered, you know, underdog type person. He does that great with his matches with Vader. And he does that here where he hits a drop kick and to no avail, and then he tries a drop toe hold, and Giante just completely no sells it. 
And then you have Larry on the apron coaching El Gigante, which I uh, enjoyed <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, um, at one time, uh, Medusa tried to tell something to De Gigante, and he like pointed a finger and yelled at her, which actually popped the crowd. Um, Dustin gained the upper hand on Larry and goes for the bulldog, but Larry was able to shrug him off and uh, tag back in El Gigante. Uh, but this kind of breaks down the tag team where Deontay and Larry get into it and and uh, Larry slaps uh, El Guillante, which was a bad move. And and then I thought this was a cool spot where Larry was on the floor and Guillante kind of picks him up uh, from the floor and deadlifts him onto the apron, um, which was bad. And then into the ring. So he sends Larry into the ring and immediately gets a double drop kick from Dustin and Richard Morton. So they win a fun match. I went two and a half stars after the match. Wow. That's a monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought this one, I'm telling you those first two matches, I was like, how long is this damn show? Um, so to see this, it was quick. It was funny. Um, I thought it did its job. It made Giante look good. Larry, you know, as the loudmouth heel fit his role. Uh, Richard Morton was kind of fun, and he's not been fun a lot of this year at times in the York Foundation. Um, and I liked even the post-match where Giante shook Dustin's hand and Richard Morton kind of shrugged him off and didn't shake his hand. So I enjoyed this match. Yeah, uh, Stephen? Yeah, I don't have much to add. It was just a lot of fun. The Larry El Guillante team was just uh, immensely fun to watch. Uh, They're bickering and uh, Larry just being a dick to everyone. And uh, him him having to go up like two turnbuckles just to just to be able to whisper in his ear. (laughs) Yes, yes, that was great. Um, (laughs) We uh, on the Pro Wrestling Super Show, we did top six uh, dream tag teams. And one of my dream tag teams was uh, Dustin Rhodes and Ricky Morton or Goldust and Ricky Morton, and uh, I forgot that they tagged up here, so that was fun to see, and they worked pretty well. Like, if they were both faces, it obviously would have been a hell of a lot better. But this was more of, like, an actual kind of standard tag match, but with one bickering team. So it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed this one a lot. Um, yeah, I gave it two stars as well. Meltzer went three quarters of a star. Fuck. Um <laughs> Which is, seems a bit stingy. Uh, he does say that it, it was uh, intriguing and had a good finish, but there was no wrestling to speak of. Um, I thought that the uh, booking made El Giante look a bit like an idiot here, kayfabe-wise and as a worker. So, um, yeah, I wasn't. I don't know. I, I thought he. I thought he came across as being a uh, idiotic, um, and like really, when's he? When's he gonna go? It's time for him to leave now. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, like he hasn't he hasn't progressed in any way in all this time. So, time for him to like he did have that uh, moment of being a super worker chair when he did the suplex. Do you remember that? Yeah, I I, I thought this was the best he's looked actually. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. that's very damning with Frank Perry's, but. Okay, I I do think that these face heel divides on every single match are creating a lot of kind of lopsided match structures. Um, this one was one of the better executed ones, and I do think that the idea of a Dustin Rose Ricky Morton team is quite mouth watering. Uh, it would have been nice to see them have a little run, um, but of course uh, Dustin ends up tagging with Steamboat, right? 
So, does he tag a steamboat regularly? He does, doesn't he? Or has that happened already? Mm, I mean, they they won the belts, but they're kind of it's just kind of an interspersing where you have, and this kind of goes back to what we talked at the beginning, where you have a different people teaming up where Steamboat's kind of in a singles feud with Rude uh, pretty shortly because they dropped the belts to Arn and Bobby uh, by our next show. So so it's kind of all over the place a little bit. And and Arn has transitioned from having Larry as the partner to Bobby as the partner. Yeah, which we'll also talk about, but I think uh, in the long run was a pretty big mistake. Even though I can see the reasoning why you'd want to do that, um, I think that was a mistake. But yeah, like on the next show, uh, who does Dustin teams back up with Wyndham? So, right. One thing I find as a problem with WCW here is, um, if this was the WWE and they did this kind of show, you would know who all the champions are. Outside of Lex Luger, like who who's the champion on this show? Well, Rude's the U.S. champ. Austin is the TV Yeah, champ. you didn't see the belts brought out. Yeah, who's the tag uh, champions? Well, that's still... I, I Actually, I think it's still... Um, Austin and Steamboat? It's still Steamboat and Rude at this point. I mean, Steamboat and um, Dustin. Dustin. Yeah. But, yeah. You would think if the long. tag champion is in a tag match on a show, they would talk about him being the tag champion, but I don't remember I, them saying anything. I, I tell you who's very good at uh, that information is our old buddy, Matt Petticord. Let me see if I can bring up... Because he always lists all of the champs at the top of his... Yeah, room. they they won the... Anderson and Eaton win at January 16th, 92, on a house show, so... Right. So okay, the so Steamboat and Dustin are still the champs. And, and a quick note on that, too, like, we've been uh, very... Uh, you know, throwing a lot of accolades to this Tony Ross pairing. And I, and I didn't think they were bad here, but I thought this was definitely their weakest effort to date going through. Yeah, come on, Jesse. He's almost here. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I agree with that, Chad. They've been really good, but they didn't have their best show here. Um, I, 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 I think, think I... Go ahead. Well, I, I was going to say, I think it plays to something we've... I mean, we haven't dogged Ross for this, but we have criticised Jim Ross. Like, when he's not invested in the show or not interested in what's going on, he can kind of quietly, subtly bury what's happening. That's exactly what I was going to say. I think a lot of these matches... Um, I mean, the good thing about Tony, Tony's strengths, too, is bringing up, like, past history and getting over the narrative. And with these random type matches where you're just calling the moves, he kind of falters a little bit. Yeah. Um, But, like, he also wasn't bringing, like, I'd expect Tony to bring more, like, kind of strategy. Like, kind of, how are these two guys going to, you know, work together type thing. But he didn't really give us any of that talk tonight either. Um, Steve, and I pulled up Petty Cord's review. Um, Jushin Liger was the light heavyweight champ. Yeah, not Uh, mentioned once. No, they actually did mention that. I will oh, say they? that. They oh, okay. did mention that he beat Pillman on the Christmas Day uh, house show in Atlanta at the Omni. Oh, okay. It was, it was pretty brief, but they did mention that. Like, how much would it hurt just to bring out the titles with them? Yeah, yeah he certainly should have came out with the belt to say, you know, oh, this guy, you know, beat an established person like Pillman, so... 
and I, you had the Young Pistols with the US tag champs. Not that anybody cares. Um, so there we go. Um, all right. So the, the next match then, speaking of Liger, is Jushin Thunder <laughs> Liger tagging with Bill Kazmaier. Uh, now, what sort of team is that? Just Bill Kazmaier <laughs> and Jushin Liger. Jesus Christ. One of the most bizarre pairings in wrestling history. Um, taking on Diamond Dallas Page. And have we seen him wrestle before, Chad? Is this his debut as a wrestler? Good God. No, we hadn't seen him. Uh, this is it, as a wrestler. Um, and uh, he's tagging with, bizarrely, Mike oh. Graham. Like, who? What is Graham even doing on the card? Fuck. <laughs> um, so this... Oh, this is just bizarre world. Um, is it your turn, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so... Man, uh, this is, like, the worst of the Lethal Lottery concept. Like, why would you put together these teams? Like, it's not random. So, you know, if you have Liger, at least give him something. But they, like, Tony Giovanni is extremely pumped up to see Mike Graham versus Justin Liger. Like, it's some kind of dream match. So (laughs) I I guess they thought maybe Mike Graham and Liger would pair off well. Um all I got written is basically DDP is like a complete cartoon in this. <laughs> and uh, basically Liger and Kazmaier are like 911 and Rey Mysterio in a way. And somehow Tony Schiavone thinks they'll make a great team in the future if they keep cool. teaming up, which let, let's look forward to that. Um, but it, it was just a, this was awful. <laughs> Liger did a little bit, but he didn't even get to really show off anything. And he, like, you couldn't have picked three worst guys for Liger to be in a match with. Uh, Chad? Absolutely infuriating. This match <laughs> This match actually made me wonder if the Lethal Lottery was a shoot with the teams. I mean, because how in the fuck do you pick these people to be with Liger? Like, in my fantasy booking that I've done, I've actually... Uh, I know one match is going to be Liger and Sting teaming up and probably facing somebody like Richard Morton and Bobby Eaton, just so you kind of have the Midnight Express, Rock and Roll Express vibe on the other side. But but here, I mean, they seem to make like Mike Graham look like this light heavyweight contender. And, and, and the thing about Jushin Liger, I mean, I think if you just – talk to people that have only seen him like in the WCW stuff when he makes his appearances and not watched his Japanese footage. Like they probably say, Oh yeah, he's a high flyer. Um, I I mean, I think Liger's strengths are actually in working the mat and kind of building a good storyline and mixing in the high spots. But by my Graham and him were completely on opposite pages did an embarrassing sequence where Liger tried to do his back bump thing and, and Graham was just having none of it and kind of embarrassed him. And I, I thought Liger looked pretty good with what he could do, but, but this was just awful I mean, all around, like, like page stumbling around, still trying to find his bearings. Kazmaier, he sucks. Um, I, I thought this match was the shits, which was really disappointing because this was your debut of Liger. Liger had a great match that is on handheld with Brian Pillman from the Meadowlands, uh, like two days after this. So, and, I mean, Liger was eager to impress in the U.S., I think. 
and he was just giving complete dog shit in this match, and it really infuriates me. Like, honestly, of all the matches we've watched for where the big boys play, this one may have been the most angered I've been at one because I thought this was just totally terrible booking all around. Nobody, none of these four looked better coming out of this match than they did going in. Uh, They actually all almost looked worse. Mike Graham, I guess, is buddies with Dusty. Uh, he's getting this spot. He definitely would have been one of the people I cut from this roster. He's he's nothing. Shouldn't have been sniffing the Starcade main show at this point in his career. This just sucked. I want a star. <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, I mean, Meltzer says, um, what a waste of Liger. Liger did a few nice moves, some of which uh, Graham didn't sell right since no. he's probably never taken those moves in his entire career. Casmaya right. uh, was horrible. <laughs> um, cameras missed the Liger dive to the floor. Three quarters of a star. Um, yes. Um, I thought... Um, now, I thought that the combination of Graham and Liger, on paper at least, is quite interesting because Graham... Um, you know, for all his horrible appearances on Legends of Wrestling and so <laughs> on, um, who is like the biggest dick, I think everybody would agree. Um, I thought that like he has got some decent counter wrestling and mat work in him. Like he's got a really decent match with Dory Funk Jr. in uh, I think 1981 from Florida. They have that weird Australian rules match where it's like a round system. Um, that's a pretty good match. Yeah, I'll watch that match after your review. Um, you're higher on that than me. <laughs> but, it, it, like, it, it really shows that Mike Graham can do counter-wrestling, right? I, I would yeah. say he can be adequate, but we're talking ten years. <laughs> I mean, we're talking ten years after that. That's 1981. This is 10 years past that. He was very out of place. And I I mean, I'd probably rank that match at, what, three stars for me, probably. Maybe three and a quarter. So if that's your career highlight that you're, (laughs) you know, putting your feather in the cap of, then, I mean, fuck (laughs) off. But he's the best (laughs) trainer to get trained by in the country, according to Tony Schiavone. Tony seemed really high on my (laughs) <laughs> how much did uh, Tony seem like a real Mike Graham Mark? I know. <laughs> this much. Awful. Like, this is, uh, I mean, he had that terrible match with Morton and the September Clash. Now he produces this turd. Oh. Well, isn't he on, like, one of the, uh, like, early Starcades as well, like, in a random match? Like, he's always sneaking on cards somehow, Graham. Um, I, I thought DDP uh, looked like he was doing a bad Michael Hayes impression uh, doing this. Like that's that's the most generous I can be to him. I'm not rating this. Like, I, won't, I, won't, I won't rate. Like this. if there was ever a match that deserved a DDP, good God, it was this match because it was awful. I, I I just want to point out I'm not related to Mike Graham in any way. Oh yeah, that's right. right. It's Steven's cool. uncle. Sorry. <laughs> Don't want to speak ill of the dead, but yeah, this. Will... Oh yeah, he's dead, isn't he? Yeah. Did he? Did he commit suicide? Yeah, he did. Oh, what a what a shame. Okay. okay. Yeah, that was. I, 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 I no, that was that was really sad because didn't his his dad did. His well. dad did, so and his really son did too. Mike Graham's son did as well. And and uh, if you ever see Mike Graham interviewed and stuff, like you could tell there was like an underlying bitterness in him. Um, so it, I wasn't entirely surprised when I read because of all the guys you can generally tell like the guys who haven't kind of made peace with their demons and things 
Mike Graham was definitely one of them. So. Yeah, I, I, I definitely think the Grams and the uh, Von Erics are your two uh, yeah. most tragic. I mean, I mean, it's clear Graham is buddies with Dusty, so that's why he has this. It, well, I, I actually think Chad, and I could I could have got this wrong, but I think Graham owns like a really small percentage of WCW, so he's on the books. Because I think when they sold Florida to Crockett, like. Graham was like part of the deal or something. I, I remember reading that before, and I, I think that's still the case, which is why he's still hanging around. Maybe. Uh, yeah. And, and being probably like mates with Dusty or, you know, yeah. the Graham name. I know when Dusty had his little indie promotion, Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling, they would promote in my hometown, and I would go to the shows, and like Mike Graham would be running the, uh, the uh, gimmick booth and stuff like that. So he was like one of the executives, quote unquote, of Turnbuckle Championship Wrestling. All right. Well, I think that's enough, Mike Graham. Um, okay. So uh, next match, and I thought this looked like a great team on paper as well. Lex Luger and Arn Anderson, yeah. obviously former uh, horsemen both. And they're taking on Terrence, and this is what Meltzer calls him, the world's most underappreciated great wrestler, Taylor, and Tom Zenk. Uh, the, the Z-Man. Um, now, uh, I thought this was one of the better matches on this rather luckluster card. What did you reckon, Stephen? Yeah. Was it Chad's, it's Chad's, Chad's, Chad's turn, turn? Yeah. Chad's turn. Sorry. Chad on the odds, Stephen on the evens. Again, getting forgotten on my own show. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, I mean, no surprise. This is going to be my match of the night. Uh, Taylor is someone part of, I think we've kind of gone back and forth on. I mean, you know, some people say he's underrated. I think we sort of said he's kind of accurately rated. Um, but I thought he gave a very good, shockingly kind of babyface performance here. Um, in a post, I guess, York Foundation role. And this was one of the times where the commentary, like, elevated itself. Where they talked about how successful he was without Alexander York out there, and they talked about the Luger Anderson tag team and that dynamic. I did like Arn conversing with Harley. I thought, yeah. thought that was kind of a cool moment. First off, um, yeah, I, I mean, not not a ton of notes again, but uh, I, I thought really good work. Um, Arn and Luger did kind of your signature arm tag team spots where he does the blind tag and hits the knee to the back on like a sunset flip, pinning a temp and um, just just good stuff all around. Nice roll up and cross body by Zink. Zink uh, at one point trips humorously running the ropes on this match, um, which looked bad. But otherwise, I thought he looked okay. I thought Luger, again, looked good. So, I mean, really up to WCW, his WCW run ending, I think Luger's been a good worker mm. um, where he had a nice power slam here. Uh, gut wrench power bomb looked good from Taylor and actually uh, had to be broke up by Orn. So he gets kind of a nice near fall or visual pinfall over the champion, which makes him look strong. Uh, but then Luger got the uh, attitude adjustment on Taylor after Arn hit him from behind. So they win. I went three stars, uh, which shows how kind of shitty I think the show is overall, that this was kind of my clear match of the night. <laughs> but, I mean, Taylor clearly brought his A game. I'll agree with that. Um, uh, Steven? Yeah, I thought this was really good. This is not my match of the night. We'll get to that later. Uh, uh, but 
Terry Taylor was uh, a really great baby face here, amazingly. And I also like that Tony Schiavone states that if uh, Taylor was able to pin Luger, it would be a bone in his cap. Like, that's a thing? <laughs> <laughs> a bone? <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, Ross did not let him have that line either. Like, <laughs> like he, he kept saying... And, 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 like, Tony would not admit it either. He kept saying, like, uh, what what did he end up saying to cover for? It made no sense. I don't it was know. like, yeah, like he hit him in the bone. Or he, it was so <laughs> dumb. I mean, he definitely meant to say feather. But, yeah, yeah he went with bone. Yeah, and there's also uh, a classic WCW, uh, you know, gaff at the beginning where, like, after Missy draws the uh, – the, from the tumbler, you can hear her on the mic go, I can run now, right? <laughs> she takes off. Because um, <laughs> the mics in WCO does not do production, so that's great. But I, I thought this was really good. If they just replaced the Z-Man with someone else, this could have been an even better match. But uh, this was a really good tag match. Luger, uh-uh. Luger and Arn were really good. Time, uh, time, time out, time out. You say Z too? Is that a Canadian? In Canada, thing? yeah, it is. Oh my God, I got to deal with this shit from two people. It's the Z man. My favorite thing is that um, there's this pizza place uh, that was near my home. It was called EZ PZ, like which made no sense in Canada. I guess if it's easy peasy, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, but EZ PZ just makes it's nothing. So I don't know if they weren't thinking there. You know, I, I, I can't give out my full postcode on the air, but um, my postcode ends 3EZ, and I like saying 3EZ. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so like, Easy Money, the indie wrestler, y'all say EZ Money. That <laughs> won't make any that would, sense. That would be E-Z-E. the more technical. <laughs> so, so the rapper part you say is EZ no, I call him Easy. Okay, you know, thank you, you. You have to, uh, you know, if they're American, you have to, I guess. But not Tom Zink. You can make fun of Tom Zink. Uh, do you know? I ha- I can't let this go. You know, I had that, um, you know, top ten lower lower mid carder uh, thread. Oh, I've hand waved that thread. When uh, when uh, when the guy listed Tom Zink as one of his ten, I was like, <laughs> that was, uh, you know. I can't let that go. Sorry, dude. Zenk sucks. Um, I, had, I had a I had a hellacious week at work, and that that reading that thread only made it worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't not 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 the finest uh, moment on PWR. I have to say. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I won't let I won't let anyone say that card placement doesn't matter. It does. That does matter, Stephen. I made my argument on the thread. You can read it. There. I don't want to get into it. Fuck. Um, but uh, yeah, this match, yeah, it was decent while it lasted. I gave it two and a half, so I guess a little bit lower. Meltzer went three and a quarter. Yeah. That's- uh, so that's pretty high rating. And uh, Meltzer says, uh, from a wrestling standpoint, this blew everything else uh, away on the cut. Didn't Scott Keep give this like four stars? <laughs> Did he? I think he did. Let me pull it up. I, I surfed uh, yesterday when I finished the show, and I think he did. Let me see. Also, uh, Luger was wearing yellow, which looked pretty good, I thought. He doesn't normally wear yellow. Luger. I, I, yeah, I four think, stars. Wow. Nice. That's, that's, uh, that's a bit much, uh, Scott. Um, 
I will say there's Luger started doing one thing on this show that really started to annoy me. I don't know if he did it before, but um, he was doing it in this match and then he did it later on, um, which is that when he takes a punch and he does that kind of weird little dazed sell, that looks rubbish. That's a really bad. Um, so the way Luger was taking punches on the show started to annoy me. Um, and uh, that's a bit of a shame because I've been very high on Luger, but I, I started noticing it and now I can't unnotice it. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like when he takes like a forearm or something and he just does this weird kind of little daze thing and it looks just phony and terrible. Um, you two guys don't seem to know what I'm talking about. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Look, look, out, look out for that next time you see... Uh, well, you can see it on these shows, um, on this particular show. Anyway, let's, uh, let's move on in the interest of time because it's... Uh, it's Ricky Steamboat and uh, Todd, what Meltzer calls one half of the world's most uncoordinated tag team champion, um, <laughs> versus Cactus Jack and Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. Um, now, my first note is what underwhelming partners here. <laughs> <laughs> um, second, uh, of course, Abdullah the Butcher beats the shit out of Parker in the locker room, uh, which was absolutely awesome. <laughs> And Abby smashing Parker's head into the into the kind of the lockers there uh, was absolutely awesome and by far the best thing to happen on this show so far. <laughs> Literally like, um, and then Abby tries to come out for the match and Parker tries to come out and he beats him up some more. I thought that was really uh, really fun. So uh, I guess it's my turn. No, Stephen's turn. Yeah. yeah. So this is the middle uh, of the trilogy of really fun good matches on the show. Uh, the last one's really good. This one's awesome. I love this. And the the next one's really good, too. Uh, but so you have Abdullah. He beats the shit out of Parker. And then he comes out like he gets to be Cactus's partner now. That was really awesome. Like, Abdullah doesn't even understand the rules. Uh, and then you, they finally send uh, the butcher to the back. And Buddy is, like, slowly crawling down the ramp to get to the ring you see him at one point he's crawling across the ring to finally get in there's like a buddy chant from the crowd because he's valiantly trying to get into this match crawling all the way um you have ricky steamboat hitting a tope which was you know very unexpected but really cool uh and then you know but eventually buddy gets tagged in then gets destroyed and loses (laughs) but what an effort by buddy here i really like that um cactus hit his uh elbow from the top to the floor which for some reason, Tony Schiavone called a double bang bangers, and then he yes, he said it like two bang or, he said it like two or three times. He like keep repeating it. It was <laughs> the most bizarre <laughs> thing. But this is awesome, just for um, Abdullah being like this person who doesn't understand the rules and wants to be Cactus's partner, and then Buddy's like uh, epic journey from the locker room crawling to the ring just to get tagged in and beat in like two seconds. I love this one probably parker's career highlight in it oh yeah well no he tagged with goldberg so <laughs> yeah i put the i get the, the the locker shots off abby uh over them probably um i have to the, you know a banger in this country is uh is a sausage right yeah do, do, do you know that yeah have a, 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 so a double bang banger sounds like a you know a double helping of sausage uh to me so, <laughs> there we go. Uh, chad oh my god um yeah, this this was fun, but I don't know why Buddy Lee Parker was the person selected for that role. I mean, like, wouldn't you think somebody like Marcus Bagwell would have been perfect uh, to <laughs> yeah. do the same exact thing? 
Um, and, and I mean, as a match, it's it's just basically a story. It's like the story of Buddy Lee Parker. Um, it's, it's almost like on one of these uh, now dramas where they have one of these bottle episodes with a two bit character uh, that that you end up really liking. But it, it was fun while it lasted. I actually thought Todd Champion didn't look as bad as he has in this match. He had a nice slam and clothesline. I did think the tope from Steamboat was absolutely boss. Um, that yeah. took me by surprise and it was awesome. But a fun match. I went two and a quarter on it too. Um, and that, yeah, I mean this and the the Larry Zabisco match. Those two are pretty fun. And the the last match I would say was good. So so this is a sequence of this show where it's not terrible, but I don't think anything is is great either. Like like if this was the sixth or seventh best thing on a pay-per-view then i think you'd say this was good like this type of match but but when this may be like one of my top two or three highlights i think that kind of reflects on the show overall i, did, I didn't notice this but uh Meltzer says that uh parker violated kayfay by getting up from his chair before his name was called did anyone notice that i didn't notice <laughs> that that's pretty funny <laughs> um Abby gave Parker tremendous headshots with the kendo stick. Uh, now, Meltzer went half a star, uh, one star and a half, as did Matt Pettycord. Oh. Pettycord says, you're so lucky, Todd. It's <laughs> because uh, uh, I guess Todd Champion gets through to the battle bowl. Um, I thought Steamer looked pretty good here. And this, uh, because of all of the shenanigans with Abby, I thought this was probably my favorite match on this card so far. I, I went three stars on it. It's probably going to be my match of the night, this. Um despite the strange uh, involvement of the likes of Todd Champion and uh, Buddy Lee Parker, who's like the hero for the night, you know. Um, yes, uh, no, I enjoyed this. I thought it was the probably the highlight of this entire show, that little sequence. Um, so, um, next match, shall we move on? Because yeah. now we've got Abdullah the Butcher and Sting taking on Bobby Eaton and Flying Brian. Um, what goes on here, Chad? Well, first off, you get the highlight of the show, which is Johnny B. Bad's reaction when uh, Abdullah is announced as Sting's partner. <laughs> Just an absolute look of horror that he mugs to the camera. Um, and then I love Abdullah kind of with his titties bouncing, going down the ramp with the biggest smile on his face. Uh <laughs> He was like that pointing was at Sting and then out of yeah. health. It's like, you and me, you and me. Yeah. yeah it was... <laughs> so excited. <laughs> just, just complete joy on this man that they're partners. Um, so they beat each other on the ramp. Pillman comes out to help Sting uh, and then ends up hitting Abdullah with his little stick. Eaton beats up Pillman and then goes after Sting. Um, Abdullah hits Brian from the ramp to the railing throat first because we can't have a flying Brian match without him taking that pump. Um, Eden started working the leg of Sting on the ramp, which I thought was kind of weird. Uh, Sting did a nice crossbody to the ramp onto Eden eventually. Uh, I mean, this match is... I, 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 it sounds like Steven may be high on it. And I see what they went for, but to me, it was too disjointed and no flow. I mean, which is kind of the point of the match that it doesn't have any flow, but I, I it's just too weird where Abdullah and Sting as partners keep beating each other up. 
Pillman's kind of this conflicted person where he doesn't know where to help his buddy or to advance to Battle Bowl. And then Eaton's just kind of there where, yeah, you, there's the Dangerous Alliance angle with Steam, but he feels pretty two-bit. Um, yeah. And then, then Cactus kind of randomly runs out, hits Abdullah with the stick, and Sting gets a top rope cross body on Bobby. So uh, Sting and Abdullah end up advancing, and Pillman celebrates, even though he just lost the match. Um, <laughs> so so only want to star in three quarters on this. Uh, and, and, oh, and then the post-match Cactus and Abdullah fight to the back. Um, so, so uh, yeah, just to me, a weird match and too disjointed overall. And, uh, not, I, I, I don't know. I kind of enjoyed it, but then I kind of didn't. So, Melter says, uh, that Cactus and Abby are brawling to the back. He said, under, nor- under normal circumstances, this would make me believe that one of them is about to turn. But since we're not talking about a normal promotion that does things to lead to something else, and instead one that just runs angles to fill time and forget about them 15 seconds later, who really knows? <laughs> but uh, he was really high on this match, Meltzer. Three and a quarter. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And I did just watch him, Buddy Lee did uh, go from his seat before he was called, so that's a pretty humorous moment to go back and watch. Steven? Oh, uh, yeah, match of the night. Uh, this is awesome. <laughs> you have uh, the dream team of uh, Bobby Eaton and Brian Pillman. Like, that just sounds so cool. Uh, Sting diving on the ramp. Uh, you had Pillman. Uh, he was conflicted, but he was going after Abby a lot. So, like, he wanted to save Sting, but he was also attacking the person he was facing. So it kind of made sense. I didn't have really a problem with that. Um, unfortunately, the camera did miss Brian Pillman body slamming Abdul the Butcher. I, I think if you have that in there, that um, and it's actually shown, it would have been a lot more highly praised. But that was really great. Um, one point, Abby grabs his pencil, and Tony Schiavone claims that uh, he's not going to use it to take notes on the match, which I thought was just a great line, <laughs> and I really loved it. Uh, but the whole dynamic of Abby wanting to be Sting's partner just to kill him, and uh, Eaton just, you know wanting to be in the match and Pillman being conflicted. I really like this. And uh, at the end, the Cactus Abbey brawl is really fun. And um, Tony ends it with another great line. So this is uh, Tony's best uh, match of the night, too, uh, for calling. He says that uh, next year they should uh, make everyone participating take a mental test because no psychotics should be evolved in Battle Bowl next year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I laughed at that as well. It was ridiculous. Uh very very silly random chaos this match uh i went two stars um this didn't break the three and a half star barrier Stephen. uh if the the body slam was shown it might have so you what you're through you would theoretically be three and a quarter sure yeah we'll go with that okay yeah well i gave it two stars but it was it was quite a lot of fun um but uh, let's move on i think because it's vader and mr hughes that's quite a convenient draw um because they were teaming up at this point anyway, taking on Rick Steiner and the Night Stalker. Now, my first note, Night Stalker still on the roster? <laughs> when was the last time we saw him? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, I was surprised to see him still around. And they were still basically saying he was green on commentary as well. I was like... Well, I mean, that part was true, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Um, so... There was something about Night Stalker being a replacement for someone. I didn't really understand. Why, why was Diamond Dallas Page there? Uh, not um, Diamond Stud there. 
he was injured and replaced by Night Stalker. But they didn't have time to take Diamond Stud's name out of the hat out of the tumbler, so they just left it in and then <laughs> <laughs> replaced him with Night Stalker. <laughs> Bizarre. Uh, God. Uh, okay. What do you think about this one, Stephen? Um. This wasn't that good at all. Um, you, I, I liked the beginning where you know it was Vader and Mr. Hughes, but Mr. Hughes like didn't hear his name called, so he just kept sitting there. <laughs> and then Vader walks out, and eventually Mr. Hughes joins him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tony or, uh, Jim Ross gets to mention that all four of these guys were college athletes, so uh, you know very important that we find out. Nice soccer went to Florida State. <laughs> I think that really. Yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> Who is Night Stalker meant to be anyway? I don't know. Such a such a ill thought out gimmick. Anyway, carry yeah, on. Yeah, Night Stalker didn't get good until he got exposed to radiation and uh, steroids, and then went to WWF. <laughs> did, he Adam, Adam, <laughs> did he become Adam? Did he become Adam Bomb? He yeah, did. Yeah. St- yeah. Um, but I thought this was a pretty decent tease for uh, eventual Vader, Mister Hughes, Steiner Brothers tag. Like they seem to be yeah. teasing that. So. There was that part, um, but I don't know what else to say. Vader gives a big splash on Night Stalker's like head uh, for the win, but uh, there wasn't really much to this besides teasing eventual tag match. So, Chad, yeah, this was uh, really shitty. Um, that's <laughs> all I got. We had a, a, a pretty good Steiner line on Vader to start out, belly to belly. The big moves were popping the crowd. Steiner hits huge too. Uh, Night Stalker was no good, but but yeah, I mean, part of you know, I'm not a Rick Steiner fan. No, and I, I actually I actually thought the Vader Rick exchanges were quite okay. Fun. Yeah, those were fine, but I'm talking about the finish here. How oh, yeah. dumb of a baby oh. face can you be? <laughs> where he hits the bulldog from the top rope on Hughes, pins him. The referee, you know, is obviously not counting and actually telling him that he's not the legal man. Then Vader splashes Night Stalker, which I don't think Night Stalker was ready for that because it kind of came down right on top of his head. And Night Stalker was in a weird angle. It didn't look good. Um, but yeah. but so, so then still, like, even though Rick has been told by the referee that he's not the legal man... The referee counts the other pin, and then Rick Steiner stands up and raises his hand like he just won. Uh, how fucking stupid can you be? <laughs> I mean, how dumb are you as a person that you're told but, one thing, don't bother to save your partner, and then still think you won the match? It was completely yeah. asinine. I want a, a half a star for this mess. <laughs> uh, I, I could not get past that. Like, of all the dumb face things to do that was just one of the dumber ones i've seen like one of the more egregious examples because even in those double pin situations most of the time it's like okay i could see how you know it's not that most consistent of a rule so you could be like oh i could see how he might have thought he'd have been the legal man or he got confused you know whatever but when you're blatantly told by the referee that he's not counting you your fall and you're not the legal man and then you go down and pin the person again and raise your hands thinking you would you're just an idiot so that's what it's surprised michigan yes. university like didn't write a letter like condemning 
this because they yeah. always like they treat him so stupid, but they always say, talk about how he's a college graduate from Michigan University. Yeah, not not a good representative of Michigan or Motown. That this is <laughs> yeah. uh, one of your uh, one of your patron citizens. Uh, I, I uh, always good to hear Chad rant on Rick Steiner. Um, I thought uh, Mr. Hughes looked a bit more agile than we've seen him before. He took a belly to back suplex at one point, which uh, surprised me a little bit. But uh, you're right, Chad. The finish was awkward. It was awful. Terrible, terrible looking ending. I mean, aside from all of the shit that you were talking about, the timing was completely off. So, like, the one pin happens, and then I think the the Vader doesn't get his pin in until, well, it seems like forever. It's just like really messy horrible yeah i went one star i mean that is one of the worst finishes i've ever seen i think so uh one of the yeah very poor match um despite the fact that um some of the vader steiner and hugh steiner stuff was quite fun uh it was just just a mess okay um Speaking of uh, matches that aren't very good, it's Johnny B. Bad and Arachnaman taking on <laughs> Scott Steiner and Firebreaker Chip. Now, um, this was the moment when I went on Facebook and I was like, I, I actually had to type to Chad, when the fuck is this card going to end? Because I, th- I thought my life stopped in the middle of this fucking match. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, yes. Uh, is it Chad to lead. It's uh, apparently Arachnaman is from build from Web City. (laughs) (laughs) So so here's my notes. And keep in mind, this is isn't this the second longest match of the night? It's like twelve minutes. Uh, So it's not one of the longer matches of the night, but it's it's up there. It's twelve minutes. So twelve minute match. My notes are. uh, Bad's punches look pretty good. Awkward crossbody from Firebreaker Chip. Scott power slams Iraq man. Uh, chin lock. Good power bomb to Bad. Scott gets the hot tag. Hits his power moves. Belly to belly from the top. Him and Chip advance. I mean, I mean there nothing happened in this match. <laughs> if you were a religious person, um, this this would be what I would picture imagining hell feel like. Is this match on the loop? Because it just like I don't I don't know. It was just pure torture watching this. Like there was nothing like hilariously bad about it with botches, but there was nothing interesting at all. Um, I mean, I mean when when threads fire up all the time about like boring matches you know you get the chono rude halloween havoc 92 match gets brought up uh but but i'm telling you this one is a strong contender for me because this this was so boring and dull and felt to me like it was at least twice as long as it was which is it it was so bad it was like wading through molasses or something, yeah. trying to get to the end of this. It was, oh, geez. I, you know, I, I had to pause it and watch it in two goes, and it still felt it still felt like it went on forever. Right. Um, Stephen, are you any more positive? Yeah, um, I, I feel like the last two matches, this one and the next one, they just kind of, they, they booked the first eight, and then they, like, ran out of guys, and they're like, oh, shit, we just got to put these guys together. This is what's left, because <laughs> it was not... Uh, much, but I'll, I'll read my notes verbatim because Chad did his. So, Motown, yes, awesome bad <laughs> punches, 
not just bad man, but badly hurting man, Tony. Um, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so given that you guys have done it, I might as well read out my entire notes too. Chip has some interesting arm drags. Uh, at least five minutes of this match was Arachnaman versus Firebreaker Chip. In fairness, Arachn- <laughs> In fairness, Arachnaman didn't look too bad apart from the stupid gimmick. Felt like it went on forever, one star. So well, there we is go. Is he supposed to be Spider Man? Yeah. <laughs> Why? His, his, his outfit looked like it came from the same place as Kung Fu's. Uh, oh, they should have. I mean, was Spider Man like? Um, I, I, I mean, I don't watch, I didn't read or uh, watch like the animated series or anything. But 1991 for Spider Man was that like a hot period for him? That feels kind of. Uh, it feels a bit. Weird. It, I, yeah, there was that cartoon. There was that cartoon. I mean, I mean, that. I know the uh, the uh, Batman animated series was a big deal. Well, I mean, I I am a pretty DCS person anyway rather than i don't really like uh, uh marvel um you know i have dc posters on my wall and things but I, as a kid i always felt that um spider-man felt like a second rate second rate superhero com- compared to batman and superman what? like he was very very definitely three um and like some way down as well it was a big i i always perceived a big gap between <laughs> batman superman and spider-man so uh, I, I th- and I think oh, I think I think looking at it now after there's been the films and things um, that Spider-Man you can't underestimate the boost he got from those films. <laughs> right. He he wasn't. I don't think he was a big net like. Uh, I, I have to cut in here. So I'm I'm doing a little pre pre work and I'm watching the next Clash, and uh, right. and that's coming up. So so. <laughs> There's there's one match on this clash. It's it's Diamond Dallas Page versus PN News. Aww. So that's not hilarious enough. Uh, when PN News walks out and his little graphic comes up, guess where he's billed from? Where is he billed from? Motown. Oh, <laughs> it, it legitimately says Motown typed out. <laughs> Um, and and to add to that, DDP comes out in an outfit that only Parv would love, and he has sequined <laughs> on his jacket. Good God! So, <laughs> this, this may be the oh. best match I've ever seen. Christ! <laughs> oh my God! So first, well. Spider-Man is the best superhero ever. So uh, no, Parv, no, oh, no. oh yes, he's the only one. How? How? He's awesome, and there's his funny, and his story arc is always really great. Um, oh. It's the only comic that I s- still read, make sure I read every month. Anyways, uh, but also what I don't understand about this Arachman gimmick is that everyone knows he's not Spider-Man. Like, they're not fooling anyone. Like, is he just a, like, he's, I don't understand, like, in what universe, like, does he have promos like saying what he's trying to do? Like, is he trying to be an imposter? Like, I don't get this gimmick at all. It, it may be it may be one of the worst gimmicks of all time. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But I, I, I do want to like I don't want to. Uh, we're already going long here, Stephen. <laughs> but uh, I'd, I'd like I you know just stop just be a superhero. Stop crying like a fucking. I don't like all that, you know, emotional stuff that goes on in my... Just, what happened to just kicking ass and taking that? Have a heart, Parv. Oh, Christ. Um, anyway, and, and, and if you're going to do it, do it in a cool way, like Batman. He has, like, proper, you know... Hey, 
has. I was reading a comic from about a year ago with Spider-Man where he defeated a villain by playing Lady Gaga. Like, it doesn't get better than that. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> let, let, let us know. Because in my, like, when I was a kid, I genuinely thought Spider-Man was a long, long way away from the other two. So let, let us know how you'd rank them, you know. And I, I also even tried to prove it because I got into this argument with another Canadian back in the day, uh, Stephen, uh, <laughs> who, I, who I used to know. And I was like, I bet you if we went out and um, talked to just random people in the street named two superheroes, that Batman and Superman will be the two that they come out with, not, not Spider-Man. And um, we, did, we did do it. We started, uh, we start, we, I think we asked about 25 people and they did, my DC guys did win, but some people did mention Spider-Man. See? Um, and that was in the height of when the movies were coming out as well. So, anyway, um, let's carry on uh, because it's Ron Simmons and Thomas Rich taking on Steve Armstrong and PN News. Uh, we start out with some "We Want Ron" chants, and I've written in my notes, "Make that man world champion at once." Uh, so, um, I think it's Stephen to lead. Uh, besides Steve Armstrong dancing. Um, I don't really have any other like there's I don't know what to say about this one. I don't even write anything. It was just Steve Steve Armstrong was dancing to tease um was he teasing PN News or was he teasing Ron Simmons? I don't even remember and I watched this last night. But that that's about all I have for that match. Uh Chad. Um so this is Simmons's first match and to have a um yeah, he's been going for a while. Yeah, um, I mean, nothing nothing much here. PN News did act surprised to be selected, which was dumb because there was no one left. <laughs> I mean, it's not like there wasn't any guys. <laughs> like, he was the fourth person announced, and there was 40 people, so it had to be him, and he still acts surprised. Um I, I enjoyed can, that. Can I can I give you my fantasy booking for this show? Sure. So so um, you know, first name out of the hat, Arn Anderson. Second name out of the back, Rick Rude. Third name, Larry Zabisco. Fourth name, PN News. They get to the <laughs> they get into the ring and they just dangerous lines just kick the shit out of PN News for ten minutes. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I'd I'd have loved I'd I'd pay money to see. Yeah, that's not bad. Um, he did a very sloppy cross body, and how many cross bodies were in this show? Like everybody did a cross body, and it's all the shitty workers. PN News, Firebreaker Chip. So I I guess I mean who was training these guys? Mike Graham in the power plant or whatever. I mean they must have been really working on cross bodies. Uh, Tommy Rich and Ron Simmons kept ar- arguing throughout the match. Um, had, um, I still think it's I still think it's pretty confusing that Thomas uh, that uh, Rich is um, dressing as Barry Windham. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. He, he even had the beard him. a little bit here. Yeah, but he's in no man's land here, Rich, isn't he? Yeah, this this was very weak. Um, I mean, what's happened to the York Foundation? Because they I guess still got they're the gone. York Foundation They're done. Right, but they're still keeping the York Foundation name. Sort of, but I think by the next right. show, that's completely done. Um, right. so, so anyway, I mean, Simmons wins, hits the spine buster for the pen, him and Rich high five afterwards. I want a star and a half on this one, so. Yeah, star and a half for me as well. 
three quarters of a star from Meltzer. Last match, by the way, the Firebreaker chip won star and a quarter from him, uh, star and a half from me. Actually, no, one star from me, yeah. not star and a half. Um, yeah, and uh, well, I'd go to Dud, but I don't really, you know, I don't really give out that rating very often. Yeah, I mean, um, Dud is like one of the worst matches you've ever seen. Like, to me, like, yeah, nothing like, on this show was as bad as that Night Stalker match we watched from The Clash, but... No. I mean, when you have three or four matches that are in the star to star and a half range, and we're ten matches in now, that's not that's not good. It's just not good. So let's move on to the uh, uh, battle bowl. Um, so I, I wrote down the contestants of the battle bowl: Vader, Bagwell, Garvin, Dustin, Kazmaier, Liger, Austin, Morton, Champion, Abby, Chip. Rich, Simmons, Steamboat, Mr. Hughes, Scott Steiner, Luger, Rude, Arn, and Sting. Um, now, let's talk about the Battle Bowl. Um, Chad. So these these rules were so convoluted. Uh, first, you have to get thrown over the top into the other ring. Um, so you had constant people being thrown to the floor, but not, I mean, I mean, there's no reason to ever try to throw somebody to the, you know, I mean, like you had the Royal Rumble spots where people were hanging on, you know, trying not to get thrown over the top. Well, it doesn't matter if you get thrown over the top to the floor. So, I mean, effectively it's a battle Royal where only one one side side of the the ring counts as an elimination. Half the wrestlers didn't understand that and were confused. So, so that was against it to start battle bowl got its own music, which I enjoyed. Um, like when they would do the pyro for war games coming down every once in a while. Um, So so that was okay. Um, as far as a battle royal, I thought the first half was pretty bad. Uh, nothing interesting. Too many guys, you know, punch, kick. Some cool pairings where you had Sting and Vader kind of facing off for the first time. Uh, Sting and Arn had a nice little sequence. Vader and Steamboat. I wrote a note. Of them kind of facing it off. Vader's actually slammed him on the rampway. And then Sting and Luger finally uh, paired off against each other. Um, but I thought the match turned around a bit when it was just Sting, Rude, Vader, and Luger in ring one. Yeah. And that was good because Sting and Rude really went at it and uh, had another good sequence together. And they they still showing good chemistry here. Uh, with each other. So so Luger ends up clotheslining Vader over and winning ring one. And then I thought the action died down a bit too, um, where you, you had the sequence where people were just dropping like flies for no reason, like Abdullah and Kaz get eliminated. Vader gets eliminated somehow. And then you get the final four in ring two of Sting, Austin, Root, and Steamboat. And that was a cool uh, finish to that where uh, Steamboat ducks, Sting gets a flying clothesline on Rude, uh, Rude accidentally eliminates Austin, and then Steamboat takes Rude over where he skins the cat and then head scissors him over, uh, but Rude pull, pulls him off. So uh, Rude and Steamboat now is a feud that's brewing and hot. 
Um, and then Rude jumps back in and hits the Rude Awakening on Sting. So it's Sting versus Luger. Tony kept comparing it to the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, which was, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I thought I thought the action they had here with these two was fine. But uh, and, and Sting, I, I did make a note of this part. But I was hoping you caught it. When he made his comeback, did you see him yeah. like jump up and do that little dance? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> uh, it, it 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 actually occurred to me because um, we know we talked about like, what is Sting's character. He's basically a teenage mutant ninja turtle, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, that is Sting's character. He is basically like an excitable teenager. But he's not like Donatello. And... He's not smart. No, no, he's like... Michelangelo. Um, Michelangelo or Raphael, one of those two. But he's like excitable, kind of, you know, teenage, kind of surf dude. He's really annoying, um, Sting. I, like, that's one of the sad things about uh, where the big boys play, Chad. I've grown to hate Sting, and I was actually a fan of his when we started out. Um, so there we go. Yeah, and people put over Surfer Sting as, like, the peak of him. And he does have some good matches coming up. I mean, I, I don't think anybody disagrees that he didn't have good matches. But as a character, I think he just sucks. And that's, I mean, I was listening to the latest List and Learn podcast, and they were talking about Surfer Sting. And, I mean, as a character, he blows. Um so, so, yeah, I mean, the finish wasn't great, as I guess Luger was supposed to bump over the clothesline, but he didn't. So, Sting kind of panicked for a minute and then did this weird thing where he runs to the ropes <laughs> and then just lifts him over. I thought he was going to do something cool, but he, he just, like, runs to the ropes and then deadlifts him over. Uh, so, Sting won. That's clearly the feud they're going towards, towards Super Brawl. I thought the finish did a pretty good job, actually, of making you want to see that match and also Rude versus Steamboat. So the Battle Royal as a whole, I would call a moderate success. But on the spectrum of good Battle Royals, I didn't think it was one of the better ones. I ended up just going two and a half, kind of as a hand-washing rating uh, to not commit either way. Yeah, Meltzer went half a star on the Battle Royal itself and two and a half two and three quarters on the Sting Luger stuff at the end. Uh, <laughs> That's one match. Okay. Uh, no, or did he Battle Royal suck on pay-per-view? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he seemed to rate them separately. So there we go. Um, Stephen? Uh, I thought, yeah, the, definitely the last half was a lot of fun. But I like the early parts where like Vader was hanging out on the ramp and pulling people out and beating them up. And then, like, staying in the corner. Like, he had good strategy, at least. He kind of stayed... Uh, like, I don't know why anyone would go to the half of the ring where the other side of the ring was. Like, you would stay on the far side so you couldn't get thrown into the other ring. It was very bizarre. Um, there was a weird part where Luger was alone, like, because he won his, his, like, ring one battle royal. And he just... He had to stand there for, like, 15 minutes or 10 minutes while the other people had a battle royal. Like, that was weird. Um, uh, uh, it's a weird concept that you have to have someone just stand around and wait while other people face off. Yeah. Uh, yes. Any, any Anything else, Stephen? Uh, you know, uh, I, I think this was... Um, you could see Eric Bischoff watching this and goes, man, if they just add one more ring and 40 other guys, this will be a hell of a match. 
Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it was a decent enough battle royal. And, then, like, the last, last half of it was pretty good. So... Uh, I, I feel like I'm higher on this than uh, everybody else because um, I thought for what it was it was pretty smartly booked for a start there were there were lots of little stories going on and uh, you know that they kind of used it to create some issues there were some intriguing encounters there was Vader versus Steamboat for quite a while and it made me think like what would a match between those two have looked like at this point you know in 91 I know they have a don't they have a match in 93 94 for sure. Yeah. I think they have a couple of matches later on, but I would have been interested to see what 91 Steamboat and 91 Vader would have done. Um, the Liger-Ricky Morton in, uh, exchanges were quite interesting at one point. Did you yeah, see? that's why I went on Fantasy Booked. I put Morton in that match uh, versus Liger and Steam because I think the mad wrestling of Liger and Morton versus and uh, also Eaton would have worked and also they could have took his bumps and been a good base off his high flying stuff as you saw here did those two ever have a match not that i can think of um that's a, that's a missed opportunity because yeah. they were they were here right uh, right at this point um yeah and i thought like it was really smart with the uh you know it built towards uh you know it made sting a real underdog he'd already taken a lot of punishment earlier on in the evening and um, rude giving him the rude awakening as a kind of parting shot was really good um, so I enjoyed it I thought that I gave it three and a half I thought it was pretty well done um, for what it was despite the very confused and I do agree, I, I even thought the commentators were confused about the rules um, they couldn't that they were trying to figure out what was going on um, I don't think like Steamboat seemed like he spent most of the match getting thrown out yeah. <laughs> so I was like how can that keep on happening um, but yeah, no, it, it built all the issues well in a logical way. You had this whole story with the with the entire Dangerous Alliance coordinating a plan, and I think it's one of the better battle royals I can ever remember seeing, to be honest. So three three and a half, it, it's got a good chance of being my match of the night, I think. So yes, I guess I was less, I, I you know, I've forgiven the confusingness of the rules because for what they did, I think they did it, they booked it fairly logically. Um, Luger did do his weird selling of the punches again which bugged me again um, I thought Harley was pretty good in some of that stuff as well um, selling for Sting so yes um, okay shall we um, do our end of show awards sure well match of the night I think this will be we've already shown our hands haven't we yeah. Chad. Yeah, I mean, I went with Zinc and uh, Taylor versus Arn and Luger. I think I'm going to go with the Battle Bowl and uh, Steve. The uh, Pillman Eaton versus Sting and Abdullah the Butcher. Right. <laughs> okay, and I, I do think, I mean, would you agree that those are the three best matches on the card? I like the Buddy mm-hmm. match as well. But uh, I actually, yeah, uh, yeah my ranking was. I think I'd actually put that Larry Sabisco El Gigante thing as my number two. <laughs> right, okay. Um, okay, interesting question now. MVP. Oh. I uh, think it's clearly Abdullah the Butcher. Oh, like, man. He, he has the awesome moment where he beats up Buddy. Then he's uh, really good in the tag match, being crazy, being all happy to be Sting's partner. And he was... All right in the battle royal as well, so I give it to Abby. 
Yeah, so, uh, Chad. So when in doubt with these shows in '91, it feels like I've been going with one guy, and I'm going with him again here. He's becoming my new Ric Flair. And that's Arn Anderson. I uh, thought he was good in the tag match and in the Battle Bowl. He had a a lot of sequences, some with Dustin, some with Sting. He was he was pretty active in his portion of the Battle Bowl, and uh, so I, th- I thought he was fine. Uh, maybe Luger too. But uh, I'm going to stick with Arn. I thought Arn was a little better than Luger in the tag match. Hmm. I, I'm inclined to go with Stephen here, that is Abby. Yeah, Abby was uh, good. I have no problem with that. Dude. Like, he really, he did, st- he does stand out on this show, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, Only thing with Abby is, like, I mean, I don't even know who eliminated him in the Battle Bowl. I and mean, you'd have thought that had been kind of a big moment, you know. But I can't, I can't even recall what happened or how he got eliminated. So he kind of lost it a little bit there. But up to that point. Do, do you know what? I'm going to say Terry Taylor. Yeah, that's not think, a bad pick either. I, I think he was uh, really, you know, standout performance on a pretty terrible yeah, card. So you, so you and Joe Lanza agreeing Joe like Lanza always. Al- what he also picked Terry yeah, Taylor. Yeah, he was he? gushing. He was actually gushing over this whole show. So, you know, him and Steven are like with that. But he was really <laughs> gushing over Terry Taylor in that tag match. So, no, I don't. I don't like to uh, bury people, but I do think Joe Lanza has the worst opinions on <laughs> in, in wrestling. Like, oh, Lord, like him and uh, him and fucking Brian Alvarez would be the worst. Uh, like that, that would be like my. Night, my nightmare podcast would be uh, Lanza and Alvarez. Uh, and, and he, but no, he, he really does have some of the worst views you'll ever see in uh, in the world. Um, okay. So, so, um, Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, oh, yes. Billy Graham. Billy Graham Award winner. Now, there's a, a huge amount of options. Uh, who are you going with, Chad? Or Steven. Um, uh, sadly, I think I have to go with uh, Jimmy Jam Garvin. Uh, he just he he didn't care in the tag match. He was just like, this is ridiculous. He was just or him or Hayes. Damn it. They were both pretty awful. And yeah. it was the first match. And it kind of set the tone for the entire night. Um, man, uh, uh, Hayes had better moonwalks. Yeah. Jimmy Jam. He was awful. Ooh, yeah, Mike Graham is the other contender. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I don't think the birds were good, but, man, I don't even consider them on this. Um, I, actually, I'm in between two, and and uh, that's Arachaman. And the reason is because, I mean, that is Brad Armstrong under the hood, and he did nothing in that tag match. Like, again, some people, like, I don't think it's as big as it was uh, maybe a few years ago, par, but there still is people that talk about and like and enjoy Brad Arm. I mean, he was nothing. I mean, he did zip in that tag match. So for a worker that could low, be good, he did zero. He's a lower mid carder who deserves to be in the lower right. Well, <laughs> I'm not getting into that, <laughs> but uh, but also, um, I, I mean, I, I'm gonna pick Mike Graham. I mean, I gave a rant. Oh, and Rick Steiner too, just because of that finish. He's a candidate, but but I'm gonna pick Mike Graham just because um, he was really bad. He didn't seem to want to work with Liger, and he just sucked. No other way to put it. 
Um, so just for the record books here, Stephen, you went with Jimmy Jam. Yeah. Is that your final pick? Yeah. Yeah. Jimmy Jam and Mike Graham. Okay. Um, I don't know. I think Bill Kazmaier is probably the worst guy <laughs> on this show. I mean, Christ. Um, um, a DDP wasn't very good. No. That was such a bad match. <laughs> uh, um, I'm inclined to give it to Bill Kazmaier. Bill Kazmaier. I just don't want to see him anymore. Van Hammer was on the show as well. Jesus. What about your boy <laughs> uh, PN News? He impressed you here? Uh, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't notice him. Um, um, God. Van Hammer, PN News, Mike Graham. Firebreaker. Firebreaker chip sucked. Yeah, this was bad. Um, no, I'm going to give it to Kazmaier. I just don't think the guy should have been in wrestling, period. So, um, yeah, Kazmai is my pick. So, all in all, bad show. Agree, Chad? Yeah, I mean, I mean, this this may sound controversial on the on the uh, surface, but I mean, honestly, watching this show, I think this is worse than Great American Bash '91. Um, I, I don't think any match here was as good as the Morton Gibson or the Luger uh, Window match. And I, I just, I, I really did not like this show at all. It clear thumbs down for me. Um, match of the night was three stars. The end, I mean, the ending kind of does make it a little more optimistic because the last five minutes are at least a glimpse of something good and a couple of good feuds. But I really did not I, like this show. I feel, Chad, this may be one where you and I are a little bit out of step with it, because uh, I'm looking at Petty Cord reviews, like, thumbs up for Starcade Night. I mean, I think people I... praise the concept, but it's just, to me, it's like, you got to get beyond thinking the concept is cool, and just, I mean, my yeah. opinion is you got to look at the execution, and whether or not Battle Bowl could be executed properly or not... As a, as a concept with the tag matches, it certainly was not in this show. So, I mean, I, I haven't, I'm not going to completely dog Battle Bowl as a concept until we watch all three of them. But as of right now, they're 0 for 1 and a pretty, uh, you know, resounding 0 for 1 in my book. This is honestly one of the worst pay per views I think we've seen. I mean, I don't, yeah. I can't think of one from 91 or 90 that I liked. Uh, less than this, uh, and, I mean we're go we're going into like the bunkhouse stampede type days. I mean this this may be a bottom four or five pay per view or show we've done, not including some of those just awful clashes. But but of, of yeah, the pay per views, I, I I think where I I I mean I agree with you, Chad. But I think there's a lot of people who seem to have fun like look, looking at matt d's thing i actually got a, uh, a message from uh, the, you know the brain follower one of the you know long time listener and he was like i can't wait for the starcade show because it'll be nice to hear you and chad yeah. to be able to review some some upbeat stuff i was like well, upbeat? what the <laughs> yeah i mean this, show this was a show as a kid that i thought was cool and uh, again it comes down to the concept but I don't. I don't know. I mean, WrestleMania four was probably. I mean, WrestleMania four is probably my most rented VHS tape, just because it was the double tape, and I was accounted even as a six year old, and thought I got more <laughs> bang for my buck, you know, by getting two tapes. And so I rented WrestleMania four more than any other tape that I ever rented, and probably watched that show as much or more than any other show. 
And now, I mean, I can look back and say that that was just my child nostalgia. I mean, I don't I have no problem saying when I was a kid, I, I liked this type of stuff. I mean, I, I liked Super, I liked Star Arcade '91 and Lethal Lottery, and when I was a kid. But as a show, this I, I just I mean, to me, it seems like you're kind of being dishonest with yourself to say you love the show. I mean, unless you just admit that you kind of unapologetically love the nostalgia and the concept and the feel, then to, you know, review this show, which I've, you know, we read through the reviews, people two and a half, a star, star and a half, quarter star, you know, I mean, all these low ratings, and then at the end just say, oh, recommended show. Well, why? I mean, what what presented, what, what that you just talked about above presented that final opinion? Steve, what's your thoughts? I think it's a cool concept, um, much like WrestleMania 4. It's not a show filled with good matches or great matches or anything like that. But there's a lot of fun. There's unique matchups you don't get to normally see. And really that middle stretch um, from the Zabisco tag um, all the way to... Uh, the Abbey tag. It, they're all really fun matches there and unique stuff you don't get to normally see that I really enjoyed all that stuff. Uh, and the Battle Bowl at the end was really fun. So, uh, it, yeah, there's some shitty boring stuff at the end and at the beginning, but that whole middle stretch in the ending was really, really good. So, uh, thumbs in the middle. I enjoyed it. And I think uh, your love of good matches is ruining your love of this show. <laughs> that, that middle... That- that middle stretch had the Liger, Kazmaier, DDP, Graham mentioned. But that was so, biz- like, it was awful, but it was so bizarre and, like, so irritating that, like, at least it was something, you know? I mean, I, th- I think a lot depends on what you think of the Pillman, Sting, Abdullah tag, which, I mean, I th- both me and you, Par, think it was, you know, disjointed and kind of too, mm. to me, just too unstructuralized to be... I mean, just a weird, that's a weird match that I can see. I mean, I can see ranking it three and a half or whatever like Steven did, but it just didn't make it for me. I couldn't get past kind of some of the stuff going on in it. Do do you want to know the uh, uh, Observer uh, rankings, the the voters? Yeah. Thumbs up 14, thumbs down 89 in the middle 20 so mm. the readers at the time were on us yeah I, I mean i think this is kind of shows the age of our or of our listenership now where this this shows kind of in the sweet spot where i mean i mean i don't think many kids were writing into the observer but most of the people that were you know listened to our show around this time uh were in the I guess what seven to fourteen kind of age bracket, so so it's kind of in that sweet spot of the childhood, and it's it's certainly again I think a cool concept on paper, but I mean I don't I don't want us to make it sound like we're a curmudgeon or we're being kind of snotty snob wrestling fans that just can't get past it but I, I i do think there was a lot better show that could have been booked and presented than what we got here so there's that yeah yeah i also agree that i put great american bash 91 over this on the basis that bash 91 wasn't painful to sit th- this was painful to sit through at times for me like it was like are you ever gonna end 
and um, that's a bad sign for a show. And I, I have to say, uh, WrestleMania Four gave me that last time I watched it as well yeah. for that uh, place to be thing. It was like, Christ, you know, Jake versus Rude. Are you ever gonna end? <laughs> um, um, just to just to let you know, the the Observer Best Match poll, it was Luger Luger and Anderson versus Zank Taylor got forty six. Sting and Butcher uh, versus Pillman Eaton got twenty six. Worst worst match poll, the Liger Kazmaier Graham Page, twenty three, uh, followed by Rich Simmons Armstrong News, uh, <laughs> the Rude Austin Josh and Hammer match they didn't like, oh. and then v- Vader Hughes versus uh, Rick Steiner and the Night Stalker got ten. So those were the worst matches. They didn't mention the Arachnaman match, which was a bit surprising. Um, okay, well. We, we got to the end. This was one of our longer uh, shows in a while. I'm blaming Stephen. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, we give you actually we actually give you time to speak, unlike a certain text. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there anything? That w- w- we're doing our TV special next, Chad, right? Yeah, we'll do the uh, 91 wrap-up. Uh, we got the matches selected. Some good, some good stuff there. Pillman versus Flair. Uh, a couple of other... Uh, kind of tasty matches so it should be a fun time I, I mean 91 worldwide i've talked about this so far but 91 worldwide watching all the footage that's like a year that's the king of the three and a half star match um i'll only have one five star match ranked from that year as i talked about last time and that's savage versus warrior which is not a kind of typical five star ranking match but uh there, there's just a lot of it's it's a year littered worldwide with a lot of good kind of three and a half three and three quarter uh star stuff three and a quarter um so so we'll watch a lot of those matches and i think a couple that eclipse that so it'll be fun yeah i look forward to that uh and uh steven anything you want to mention before we uh, wrap up here uh Look for January for the uh, roundtable on the 100 matches you must watch before you die that only exist on the WWE Network that are really good, or whatever it's called. Yes, and uh, also check out our Facebook page. I don't think oh, yeah. we mentioned that before, the PWO PTBN Podcast Network. Yeah. Uh, you can interact with us there. Uh, Chad is on the Twitter. Yeah, at Big Boys Play WCW. And, uh, yeah, or you can join Pro Wrestling Only, of course, um, and, uh, you know, interact with us there as well. So uh, have a good Christmas, everyone, and until next time, so long for now. Fans, for all of us here at WCW Center Stage, for Cowboy Bill Watts and the American Dream Dusty Rhodes, I'm Jim Ross saying good night, everybody.